0: All new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete, affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C A N O T A M B O S.com and enter promo code TURNEDUP. One word, TURNEDUP for 20% off. CANO Tambos. Hey, just a real quick heads up. This episode is going to be kind of long. I know, we know, we tried to cut it down as much as we possibly could. And if you would believe it, we probably cut it down in half. There is so much incredibly interesting and amazing information. And we sat down with a legend, Seth Mosley of Full Circle Music. The guy has won multiple Grammys, sold millions of records, whether it's songs he's written or produced, and we had a rare opportunity to crack him open and peek inside of his brain to hear his thoughts as well as discuss the very history of song writing and the songs that we love and listen to. So I encourage you, listen all the way to the end. If you have to do it in two or three sittings, I completely understand. But you're gonna wanna listen to the whole thing Until the very end, we have something very special for turned-up listeners, and it's completely exclusive. You don't want to miss it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. And I'll just start this. Are you there? Hey,
1: hey. I'm over here. I'm down here on the blue track. You're making me mad, because you're going to be giving away the formula, essentially. (laughs) That's keeping us employed. (laughs) I am got an amazing face. (laughs) The costume I wear, the, uh, the the furry pants. You don't set up fake Instagram accounts and call it (laughs) R&D.
2: The first time I won a Grammy, I didn't even know the
0: Grammys was on TV. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Well, good morning, my fine ladies and gentlemen. And Robert Venable.
1: Evening or afternoon, depending on on when and where you are listening to
0: our voices in your ear holes man here we are week two season two i am so glad to be back in the seat this is i've missed this over the summer of course we've been busy touring and traveling and, uh, and playing and shows and getting tattoos and ah, uh, yes which mine uh is is uh, it healed up nicely it's it's um still in the process and <laughs> Seth, I, I apologize Man, so, so Seth, who's, uh, my name's Robert Oh, sorry, Robert, I'm so confused You look like Seth Mosley That's uh, strange from Full Circle Music So does the gentleman sitting right in front of us um, Ladies and gentlemen,
1: I'm Robert Venable Over here to my right is Jake Jones We'll introduce ourselves formally in a second But in front of Jake Jones and Robert Venable We've got Seth Mosley
2: Hello, gentlemen
1: Ooh, I like it, Robert, when you refer to yourself in third person It's kind of weird, but normal for me <laughs>
0: Right, Robert. Right. <laughs> you mean you mean normal for him? It's normal for him too. Yes, both 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 of us. So before we get to our our lovely guest today, yeah. I want to tell you a little bit about my amazing friend Robert Venable. Go Not ahead. only does yeah. he have one of the most glorious beards in the room, <laughs> um, this is new. It is it is a new development uh, and impressive preparation for a trip to europe coming up gotta look all you know gotta be grizzly. trying um, to look german he's he's doing a better job than me i accidentally shaved mine off uh he's an incredible drummer songwriter uh singer even though he no, says he's not not at all um he's a producer and engineer uh and the guy literally has credits through the roof um i'm honored to call him my friend uh, he also builds tricycles in his spare time out of used, uh, medical equipment, um, and gives them away to homeless children. There's some legalities that you've been trying to work out with that because of the used medical equipment might be contaminated. Um, yeah, using the syringes as handlebars was a very bad idea.
1: Our marketing team, um, kind of botched that one, uh, when they pushed out into the magazines, the whole recycled
0: tricycle, uh, program that we pushed out didn't sell as intended. So I would say it's the thought that counts but that is not what the district attorney said right not at all
1: um so in 2 to 5 years from now uh pending good good um behavior good, yeah good behavior we'll be doing season 3 of <laughs> maybe even episode 3 well I mean we get that far we can do it through the phone through the through the glass <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your stand-up comic for tonight was Jake Jones, <laughs> sitting at four foot eight, standing at six foot. What are you, six two, six two? Yeah, yeah, man. It's oh. weird having a short person who's in the room with us. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh man, this guy plays guitar and sings for the band as we ascend. Formerly of We as Human, also um, songwrites uh, with Shoalsville Music. Um, you and I, we actually wrote a number one hit. That's right. Not as many as the guy we're going to talk about in just a second, but. Um, you also, you get to push buttons in your own recording studio, produce bands, mix and edit them, make them sound glorious. Um, but my favorite thing, this is how we met. A lot of people don't know this about you. Um, when I got off the airplane at an airport, I was actually going on a cruise and we got off on an Island, um, where the, where the cruise takes off from, got on the airplane, walked out front and there you were at a little booth, uh, braiding arm, arm hair, which is weird to me. And You're about so I, to say armpit hair. Well, cause which just, is the that's, truth that's the new part. Okay, but yeah. can you tell us how you got into arm hair and armpit hair
0: braiding? Well, I've always had really long arm hair and really long armpit hair, and uh, I used to try to trim it, but it would you know I was going through electric razors, you know, twice a day, a brand new one. It was getting really expensive, just so I thought, how can I them up. right? How can I get this under control? What do I do? Um, and so uh, I just use my fingers, and because um, I mean, you can you can you look braid, like you're trying to milk a cat. Well, you like, can braid that, anything that with hair.
1: <laughs> I've got hair, Jones. Can you braid me?
0: Yeah, your beard. Oh, Perfectly. Yeah,
1: yeah, you probably um, could All right now. It's so kind of gnarly. Uh,
0: but I started doing it just for fun, really, in my spare time. And I thought, you know, I, I see a need. I think any good business looks at a need and says, "How can I uh, help uh, fill that need?" And so that's what I started doing. And uh, it's been very lucrative. I took it on the road. I made easily a dozen dollars. Um, and it's something that I. That's
1: because you found the ten dollar bill on the ground beside the two dollars mm-hmm. you made, right?
0: No, no. Not at all? Okay. <clears throat> anyway, right, right. Uh, yeah. But sitting with us today is a legend. Do you hear that rumble? Yeah. That's my That's his reputation preceding him? <laughs> 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 Mr. Seth Mosley, um, songwriter extraordinaire uh, on top of being a producer. In fact, uh, we're here in his studio at Full Circle Music in, uh, in Franklin, Tennessee um, walking just to get into the, the tracking room where we're at right now, you have to walk past the wall. Oh, Grammys. I might've knocked some of them off (laughs) the wall. It's tough. Like I can't
1: fit through the room where all those awards were stabbing me from behind. And it was crazy. (laughs) I'm
0: not going to lie. You know, everybody's had those crazy thoughts where they're like, all right, if I were to commit this crime, how would I do it better than somebody else? Mm. Um, this is my third time here. And every time I've thought, if I were to steal one of those, how could I scratch off his name or X's name or Jericho's name and put my own? Mm. Um, and uh, they're and- pretty strict about those things.
2: You can't you can't sell them, <laughs> you can't trade them, you can't you can't do anything. To Did them. you learn this the hard way? I did. Is there a had, pawn shop in town that I was looking for you? I had a lemonade stand on the corner. Except for <sighs> instead of selling, instead of selling lemonade, <laughs> was it a Grammy stand? It was a Grammy stand.
1: Oh, yeah, man, that must be. It was a rough life, man. a rough life. <laughs> selling all your Grammys. Uh, you're like, I have some. No, many you're not. It's like, like Super
2: Bowl rings. You're not allowed to use your influence to whatever you know, sell them or what. Maybe Super Bowl rings. Maybe it's college football that does that. But yeah, anyway, right. they're very strict about it, and it's a proprietary. You know. I, 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 there's a whole documentary being made on this, but there's a proprietary metal that Grammys are made out of. It's called gramium. Gramium, and that is a real fact. Wow, <laughs> I had no idea until we actually got the statues. That's crazy. Also, another little known fact is what it takes to get the statues. There are so many little loopholes. Like you have to be on 51 or more percent of a record, and if you're not on oh. that, you get a you get a certificate that you have to pay for, but right. the statue's free. Really? So well, I, didn't these, I, had, I thought you had to pay for the statue? No, the statue's free. You have Man. to pay for the certificate, which has to cost nothing compared have, to it.
0: Have you seen the How It's Made Grammys? Is, is that a... What, what do you mean? It's an episode of How It's Made.
2: No, I haven't. And it's How They Make Grammys. They show How They Make the Statues. So they didn't talk about Grammium?
0: I don't remember them saying Grammium. I don't remember. Actually, when you said Grammium, that sounded familiar, but it could just be a weird dream I had after eating some strange food. I don't don't sounds know. Like, like a cool possible. cereal. Golden Grammiums. Golden Grammiums. <laughs> or like there's a superhero and that's what they... That's their... <laughs> That's his like kryptonite. It's Grammy yeah. Exactly. That's apparently, that's my kryptonite. <laughs>
2: apparently, so Grammy So you, you get you get weak whenever you walk in the studio.
0: Then so I stay away from them at all costs. That's the only reason I don't yeah. have any. <clears throat> yeah. Hey Seth, what do
1: um, For King and Country, Skillet, Jeremy Camp, Cutlass, uh, all have in common? They're all awesome. Are you saying that because you wrote songs with them all, <laughs> plus tons more? There's like a whole huge list here, which I'm not going to read all of them because I'll run out of air and probably pass out in my old age. However, um, <laughs> so 2005, you won songwriter of the year by non artist, as well as producer of the year at the same. Uh, wouldn't thing. be 2005, 2015, 2015. Yeah, yeah.
2: I was going to say I was graduating high school in 2005, and that, that would been. have been impressive if I had I won. Be
1: impressed. Yeah. So 2015 Dove Awards. Yeah. yeah. The producer and songwriter of the year. Yeah. Gosh, man! And then um, Grammys. What? What are your? What,
2: yeah, so toot we. Toot your own horn, um, man. Been nominated for. Uh, to be honest, I should do a better job of, of like paying attention to these things. <laughs> it all but, blends together. Well, when I and that sounds weird. That's, I'm not trying to sound weird or anything, but like when the first time I won a Grammy, I didn't even know the Grammys was on TV. Like I didn't funny? even know what was going on. I was on my way to a, a show to see. Because what I really love is going to shows, that's like my favorite thing, and hearing songs that I've been a part of either writing or producing. That's a cool feeling. And you see the crowds, that's way cooler to me than yeah a statue or something like that because it's, it's real proof that people are, that these songs are making their way out of this studio and into people's lives, you know? So how'd you find find out this? I you got a text. From? From Sean Moffat, who was a mixer friend of mine. Yeah. And he was like, hey, congratulations, man. I was like, for what? And he was like, oh, yeah, you guys just won the album of the year, the uh, the Grammys. And that was for Kane Country, Run Wild. That was a good album. Album, which we we literally just got. And, and I'm always thankful for these things because they're so rare nowadays, but we just got our official you know, certified gold records for those yeah. in, in the studio here just like two days ago. And so that man. stuff's just you just can't believe it. I mean, it's so great. So you and I met the first time in my studio
1: um that I co-owned with Lester Estelle yeah it's awesome um yeah. just down the road here in Franklin um off the wall studios the very first rendition of that yeah uh, with your band me in motion yep
2: um and we we uh I think we were tracking drums there
3: or mm-hmm. something.
1: um
2: yeah I think we pl- I think we tracked drums it sounded amazing of course oh, thank you yeah and um,
1: that's the first time we ever ran into each other
2: yeah and that was it, even thinking back now it's like a feels like a whole nother lifetime right it's almost like I don't believe in reincarnation but it kind of feels like that like I'm reincarnated as a Seth some 2.0 songwriter or whatever yeah. you know but it's just so foreign to me now but I but I love that I have that chapter of my story because I feel like whenever I'm in the room with an artist or a new songwriter or a new whoever coming to town there's nothing that they are probably going through or that they're, they're gonna go to that I, that I didn't walk through like Man. it was every broken down van and trailer on the side of the road and you know every crap show where like the sound was horrible or nobody was there or catering was spam and uh (laughs) red kool-aid you know like all of those things so i'm i'm it sounds weird but i'm thankful for that experience because i know what it takes to get there and i just have so much respect for the artists that we get to work with who do it every day like it's just Dude. it's a calling I mean it really is we have a
1: million questions to ask you
2: um, but we have to we have to
0: probably clarify what we're doing this podcast about so today we're actually talking about songwriting uh, which is why we have such a legendary songwriter with us um but there more importantly, there's a lot kind of behind songwriting that even just in researching for this podcast and talking with you Robert uh, that has surprised me and I'm a professional songwriter um and uh, And then a lot that goes into songwriting, and the songs that we hear that I think a lot of people just have no idea, and you'll be really surprised to hear this. Um, yeah, in today's episode,
1: we're going to talk about everything you can think of It's, it's gonna sound boring in this summation real quick, but but bear with us because there's actually a lot of cool facts and figures and and I bet you didn't know this, and things that we didn't even know while researching for this, um, but like how much songwriters get paid? how do they get paid? When do they get
0: paid? Well, Robert, I, I just want to argue you say it's going to sound boring. When I'm sitting in the room with you, a 90,000-year-old man, um, there's never a dull moment. The fact that you're just so old and still talking and breathing is interesting enough. I think you could probably talk about anything and people would listen.
1: I'm sorry you turned your head. I was trying to read your lips because I can't hear from this part of the room. What? (laughs) Eh? Uh, No, we're going to make it interesting. Even if you don't even care about—I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you don't care about the music industry. But if you don't care about the music industry— this is still going to be interesting for you. Um, let's let's start with the history of songwriting. I mean, you invented songwriting, isn't that right? Yeah, I was I was clicking a couple of sticks together and knocking some rocks in there. If all I rem- of sudden,
0: if I remember, you were actually uh, didn't you carve holes into bones to kind of like kind of like like a flute or that, a
1: quarter? Yeah, that was me. That actually wasn't me. Um, but, that, but they say that songwriting existed before um, written word, written language. I can believe that. So before they came up with written context, I mean, obviously people were communicating, um, whether it be with grunts or words or their own somehow spoken language. Uh, the written language didn't come till later, but they had songs already being written. And the song doesn't have to be words and lyrics and melody. It could just be melody or, or a tune that you whistle or hum. Um, yeah. But they say it dates back before there was a written language by, like you said, carving holes in bones and blowing through it like like a flute or a lute or a, or a recorder, um, which is kind of cool. But I did do some research on what could be arguably America's first full-time popular songwriter. Uh, his name is Stephen Foster. That's right. So this is the, um, we're talking about the 1840s, 1850s when he was writing songs. Um, but he was born July 4th. What a patriotic man he was. Uh, 1826, guy who had no idea anything about music was not a musical family that he came from. He's actually the ninth child born. Well, of course, it was 1826. He was the ninth out of like probably a thousand. A school, mm. small school bus of family members. They probably all lived in a shoe. His <laughs> mom didn't know what to do. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but he started writing
0: songs at the age of 14. Let's uh, let's hear one of one of those songs. I want you to sing it because I know I know one. I see one right here. I'm not going to sing it. Come on. Do da, do da. Camp
1: races sing this song all the doo da day. Something. Zip.
0: Yep. Oh, wow. Susanna,
1: my Kentucky, uh, my old Kentucky home. Um,
0: and 200 plus more other songs that Stephen Foster wrote. Okay. Really quick. I want to add a restore point or, or drop a pin right here. Um, 200 more, 200 plus more songs. Right? Yeah. That is, I want to come back to that. Um, he wrote a lot of songs and there's something to that.
1: Okay, remember that.
0: Um, so let's talk about Oh Susanna, one of his most popular, probably his
1: most popular song. Um, it, it written in 1847. It's been deemed as the first American popular song that we still sing and recognize today.
3: To oh Susanna, now don't you cry for me. For I come from Alabama with my banjo on my
1: neck. And And uh, I mean, obviously, there are hymns and stuff like that, but we're talking about globally or internationally popular songs by churchgoers, non churchgoers. The average Joe knows Oh Susanna. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been 150 years
0: later and still singing that song. I think there's something to be said for those really old, simple melodies. Um, in fact, I was actually just having a conversation with a songwriter yesterday. About uh, how I've heard so often, you know, picking out uh, melodies from old nursery rhymes, uh, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and, and just kind of intentionally oversimplifying a melody um, to make it stick for people. Yeah. So their brains aren't, aren't uh, overcomplicating anything. And we talk about happy um, birthday in another podcast and written by
1: a couple of school teachers. And- yeah.
0: So the fact that, that, you know, I think there's something to pay attention to with these songs that are so old yet still everyone knows them. We'll get to this
1: later, but a lot of times songwriters try to pull from familiar um, melodies to make it somehow stick in the minds and the ears of listeners today. So you might hear some remnants of these simple songs in common popular songs on the radio these days. Like Stephen Foster writes some songs, doing well. Um, Gets married to Jane McDowell in 1850. Um, Their relationship was kind of rocky during a split. That's where I actually he got the inspiration to write Genie with the Light Brown Hair, um, which sounds like a beyonce song uh, on a jay-z record <laughs> but um totally different than that um but then he wrote a ton of songs he got into uh minstrel shows I'm sure you've seen it it's where uh, caucasian white people paint their faces black and dress um, like african-americans and try to express stories and get a point across about stories and like these little musicals and plays um, of what life was like pre-civil war for african-americans um, a lot of these things have been deemed inappropriate or insulting to African Americans these days. Some of them not, um, but that's how Camptown Races came to be. Um, so that is quite interesting. That is very interesting. It's interesting I that never knew that. So Foster himself lived in Pittsburgh and only really been to the South once. So they say that he really didn't know much about the black <laughs> culture. Sounds about uh, right. Hollywood, <laughs> right? Trying to make um old westerns. But he often depicted the people in his songs being hard workers, you know, all the Live Long Day, that kind of thing. And uh, some of the lyrics were deemed insulting to African Americans, so they ended up changing the lyrics, or they just don't sing those songs anymore. But he actually wrote the song My Old Kentucky Home. We sing one song For my old Kentucky home For
3: my old Kentucky home Far away
1: So that song was written in honor of Harriet Beecher Stowe's uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was an anti-slavery book, or Freeing the Slaves, and it expresses great sympathy for the enslaved African-Americans. So the black anti-slavery activist Frederick Douglass actually praised the song and it later became the official song
0: of the state of Kentucky. Man, so something about Stephen Foster uh, that's kind of maybe ironic is that while he was, of course, a great songwriter, he was a whore. Horrible businessman, yeah. Uh, which I still see so often today. <laughs> it's uh, a different
1: side of your brain.
0: It is create. I mean, if you really want the key to just being successful, be good at your craft and be good at being a, a businessman. And that's why Seth Mosley is in the room with us today. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> uh, so he sold. Uh, he he sold the most songs for the least amount of money. Um, and for someone that wrote such. You know, prolific songs that, that have lasted the test of time, literally over 100 years. Uh, he didn't even make enough money to support his wife and children, which is sounding eerily familiar to my own story. Um, Seth, <laughs> so many later. stories that that we hear of people coming across
1: our paths in the industry. Yeah, just can't support their families with music. So you see some of your favorite musicians, we've talked
0: about this in them before, handing, handing you your Starbucks drink through the drive-thru. Oh, I uh, the church I go to and I think I've actually mentioned this in another episode. Um my first time to go to that church cuz we moved uh and started we so we you know, we were too far away to the church that we had been going to, started going to a new church. My first Sunday there, uh someone steps down off the stage after worship and uh or is at the end of service and comes up to me and says, "Are you in a are you in a band? Is this you?" And they pull out their phone and it's a photograph of me with this woman and her husband while I was working at Moe's, Moe's Southwest Grill. Um, I had my uniform on and my hat. Welcome to a, Mo's. you know, joke. <laughs> um, which is like, yep, that's, that's a true story. It's a, that's a very much a reality for so many musicians. Which Moe's? Uh, it was the one in Spring Hill. The, okay. Yeah.
2: My, my first label meeting, like guy found me on MySpace, invited me
0: to <laughs> a meeting at the Moe's in Brentwood. Man, MySpace was a like a that was a big tool back then. It I remember was. getting to getting a like reaching out to Fueled by Ramen mm. and uh, and getting a response for the band that I was working with. And basically, they they took a listen to what what I was doing and were like, "Nope." It was our first real way
1: of of having a point of contact with people who were previously untouchable. Yeah, uh, we
0: need to get out of Stephen Foster. Well, he didn't live very long. That's one way to get rid of him. Uh, he died at the age <laughs> of thirty seven completely broke and alone. Yeah,
1: he, um, after his music career started tanking, uh, which I guess means not being able to float the bills. Uh, he moved to New York, his wife and daughter left, he turned to alcohol, and he died in uh, January 13th, 1864. So at least now we all have some goals in the room. We have a... Big goals. We have, yeah. goals. We have an end, end game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, He was the first musician actually to be nominated into the Hall of Fame for Great Americans, and the first American composer
0: whose complete works were published uh, together at one little package. Wow. Okay. So this is Stephen Foster we're talking about. Um, again, you said arguably, but for the for the purpose of of continuity, we will we will declare right now the first official professional full time American songwriter. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, I just want to note, wrote a lot of songs, a whole lot of hundreds, um, over two hundred songs. And only, we only know a few three of them or four today. Three four of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so something of note and something we'll, we'll talk with you about uh, a mm-hmm. little bit later, Seth. Um, let's go current. Let's go current. Uh, Billboard Hot 100, number one hits. These are three, uh, the top three all-time songwriters based on uh, how many number one songs they wrote. On the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Correct. Which is um, a particular chart. But um, I guess
1: for all intents and purposes, I guess widely noted as
0: the standard yes uh number one is one of my favorite songwriters uh in the whole world but um but more so for the band that he was in uh and that is paul mccartney oh cool uh what man was he in um red hot chili peppers right that was flea oh uh paul (laughs) mccartney was he the guy you said was he he an actor yeah i think so I'm just kidding. Come on. Everybody in this room knows who Paul McCartney is. Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Uh, the best Beatle, in my opinion. And if you say it's John Lennon, I'll fight you. Um, and I think that this list actually proves that point uh, when we get to number two. But uh, actually, his best song was by the band Wings uh, called Silly Love Songs. Which was his band. Uh, is that right? Yeah. I had no idea. How big of a fan are you? Uh, well, I'm. he's my favorite songwriter for the band that he was... His popular band, his previous band, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Beatles. I love the Beatles. Uh, they are my favorite. My favorite band. He had thirty-two number one hits. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. Uh, so the the, the uh, silly love songs uh, f- by Wings uh, ruled the weekly chart for five non-consecutive weeks in May, June, and July of nineteen seventy-six. Um, what was the second best? Say, say, say. I was just kidding, but you know that uh, he wrote it with uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, or Michael Jordan, depending on who MJ is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it actually spent six weeks at number one, uh, in late 1983, early 1984. Uh, those are his two top songs that he wrote, but man, um, to have written 32 number ones on, on this billboard, Yeah uh, hot some, 100. And some of those are Beatles songs that he co-wrote with
1: our number two placeholder, John Lennon, who has 26 number ones to his name. So, just like starting over was his best. Uh, it peaked at number one
0: on the charts on November first of nineteen eighty. Those are guys in the past. they are now, number three, uh so Robert and I may or may not have a cheat sheet that we are that we're peeking at, yeah, well, but Seth does not. Seth I does do not. not. So I want Seth to take a guess at who number three is, and I will say he's written he's modern. He, he yeah he's very so, modern.
1: No more clues. We'll start adding clues and seeing if you can guess it. Max Martin. Okay, well that was fast. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> obviously knows the market. Um, so John Lennon at twenty six. Max Martin right on his tails with twenty two um, number one Hot One Hundred songs. Um, born Carl Martin Sandberg um, in the late seventies. I think seventies. No
0: mid seventies. Yeah, oh. I think I'd go by Max Martin
1: too. Um, yeah. So he started working under um, Dennis Pop. Of Sharon Records, and he he's convinced him to change his name from Carl to Max. So that's kind of a more marketable name. So instead of Carl Sandberg, he went by Max Martin. Um, he, so he studied under Dennis for two years and got to work on lots of records with like Ace of Bass and Backstreet Boys, where he actually
0: that wrote
1: that song by himself.
0: Uh-huh. You're kidding me.
1: Yeah, so that was like his first like huge break into the market. Wow. Um, hey, guys, I'm here. Uh, announcement um so like i mean there's a huge list if you look at his wikipedia page you have to go to more pages to continue <laughs> seeing all his works that he's written wow um, but like britney spears baby one more time three hold it against me backstreet boys like we just said bon jovi kelly clarkson katie perry like i kissed a girl oh katie didn't write that no max martin also um, california girls and- uh, extraterrestrial yeah all the all these songs um the last friday night roar dark horse teenage dream you know all are huge hits uh that's Max Martin, man. Maroon 5, Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake, The Weeknd. Well, we've Weekend. talked about
0: Max before. Uh, yeah, with the, the Dr. Podcast. Luke thing too. Yeah. Um and so those are 22 number ones. That's he's written several more songs that you would know. You'd be Absolutely. surprised how many insanely popular songs that never made it to number 1 on this particular chart. It would be it wouldn't surprise me to see
1: him pass at least Lennon, but maybe get up there with McCartney on number ones cuz he's still prime.
2: He's, he's on he's on fire still. It's it's mind-blowing.
1: It's not like he's on his way out. No. He is writing everything you hear right now.
2: And if he's not, his proteges are
1: right. <laughs> his name is on it somehow.
2: Yeah. Have you ever written with Max? I have not. It's a bucket list. So Max, if you ever hear this, you know where to find me. <laughs> Max, Franklin, if you hear Tennessee. this?
1: That's awesome.
2: <laughs> I think I, I, I ate at your restaurant in Stockholm just a month ago at East. Ooh, in, wow. In Ulstamum. Uh, what did you have
1: at his restaurant? Sushi. It's
2: yeah. kind of a it's kind of a like Asian fusion. It's really good. Uh-huh. Great sound system in it. Of, well, I of would hope so, and I think Dennis Pop was one of the original like owners, and some really? of the people from Sony Sweden, and I, I think Max. Assuming you still own that, right. it was really good. The sushi was great. Well, what what should he improve on? <laughs> What's the weak link? <laughs> Probably the pizza. I mean, if you're ordering sushi, well, well, they, and there pizza. wasn't really any pizza. That's maybe something to improve on. Maybe you need there to was have no pizza. Add
1: pizza.
0: Add pizza. Everybody Cheer. needs pizza in the restaurant. Pure sushi Asian fusion right. <laughs> Asian pizza. It's uh of all the ideas you've had today. That's the one. That's well, that, that is that one, is of one of
2: them. <laughs> that's one of them. That's an idea.
0: <laughs> so those guys. Wrote I'm
2: some... a Max Martin freak. So not, sorry to interrupt you, but no, uh, no. I, I've done more tr- research and as much as you can do, because it's hard to find stuff on him. Yeah. He's kind of a reclusive. Um, Is that right? Like well, just well, he's doesn't. He's buried in a studio. Yeah. So, to find interviews with them is a rare thing. There's not very many out there. So, it is my bucket list, like, yes, to do something with Max Martin someday. So, dang, man. Yeah,
1: he just put so that talented. out in the universe. Yeah, in the throw ether. it out
0: there into the pod waves. Yeah. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can just throw it right back. Exactly.
1: I mean, he's writing so many hits, like
0: hits, hits. Yeah. Um, but, you know,
1: he might not be doing it all on his own. Um, a lot of people actually co write. And uh, there's a reason for that. In my research, I found that why co-writing songs
0: might be better than just writing a song by yourself. How many uh, hits, like how many insanely popular songs that you've written did you write by yourself, Seth? Zero. Not Not even one.
2: Not even one. Hmm. And Max Martin, which I didn't even realize, that one that you mentioned, I didn't realize that was all him because his big MO is co-writing. Right. It's collaboration. I don't think any of his have been...
1: No, after so, that, uh, one, I think he wrote that one by himself and then everything else was co written. At least two people. Yeah. And actually a new study by Music Week magazine shows that it now takes an average of four point five three writers to create a hit single. So, so that's four complete humans and a little over half a human.
0: Is this in like the room. Uh, amputee? Is this maybe <laughs> it's someone- equal opportunity, man dwarfism and LP songwriting leaves many bodies in its wake. So
2: it's, it's one of those <laughs> Makes sense. situations okay. that Somebody didn't make it out previously. Somebody didn't make it out of the writing room. You
0: know. <laughs> All right. Kind of that type of deal. I hope to never be the 0.53. I would take the 0.53. <laughs> just for a maximum. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. I would take 0.53
2: <laughs> of a, of a, I want it that way. I'm not so, talking
0: percentage. I'm, I just mean, you know,
1: I don't want to lose almost half my body. still worth it. It's worth it. I'd roll into a session. And be like, here we go. Take my arms. Take all of me.
2: Take me. (laughs) (laughs) This is like a Christian song
1: waiting to happen. (laughs) Um, So the, the hundred biggest singles of 2016 in this study that I was looking at, um, how many of those do you think were credited to a single artist? Uh, I would guess if any
0: one or two
1: said four, you're actually probably right, but four were only credited to a single artist out of the top 100. Mike Posner's I Took a Pill in Ibiza, um, which was actually a remake. That was a remix of it. His original one's very acoustic sounding. Really? You go look that up. Um, and then Calvin Harris' My Way. And then two songs by the rock band 21 Pilots, which is actually more than one person in the band. So if you want to cr- actually credit just one person, um, those two, Mike Posner and uh, Calvin Harris, would yeah. be the two single songwriters that, out of the top 100 hits. Um but uh, the best-selling song of 2016, that year that this, this this whole study came out, Drake's One Dance needed eight writers. But that even pales in significance to uh, Mark Ronson's Uptown Funk. How many writers do you think were on that song?
0: I actually happen to know the answer to that. Do you, Seth? I
1: think I heard it was 13. 13. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, some of those were because of the whole lawsuit with uh, um, the Gap Band's 1979 hit Oops, Upside yep. Your Head, which they're like... They ripped it. You ripped that off. Yeah. No, we didn't. Okay, we'll credit them. So, yeah. all those songwriters combined, thirteen people had to make that hit. But we all know it. Yep.
0: So the, this this is clearly a trend. Um, you know, again with prolific songwriters like Max Martin, who is pushing for co-writes, um, and the industry as a whole is pushing for more co-writes, uh, especially with the music industry changing like it is, and you've got lots of blending and fusions and people trying to figure out how to keep this a lucrative business so you start you know you're a christian writer you come to nashville and you start writing with country writers or you're a rock writer you come to nashville and start writing with country writers or whatever it is um you know pop and rock and all these different writers starting to come together to join forces of course that number is going to go up just 10 years ago the average uh, and mind you 10 years ago was 2008 which is crazy that doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it's nuts. Um, the average number of writers on a hit single was uh, three, three and a half. So uh, one less two, person yeah. in the room, one less person in the room uh, and 14 of the year's top 100 songs. Would you uh, like to know who that person is? The one person that was not in the room. Yeah. It's the artist. That's actually probably very correct. They're on the songs now.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Everybody, every, all the art and producers too are getting in and saying, "Yep." I got to be on this song. Like, if you're going to cut this song, I'm in it.
2: It's part of the business model. It's the way things change.
1: So We'll write you in with a writer's cut, even if you're not writing it. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah, The industry's changing, man.
0: Even in the news recently, which we'll get to later. But but Yeah, 2008, uh, there were actually uh, 14 songs credited to one person, uh, including... As opposed to four, 10 years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amy Winehouse's Rehab and Arctic Monkeys' uh, When the Sun Goes Down. Um, this is rock bands, man. They keep it keep it in house. <laughs> keep it in house. So, so what's what's the cause of this? Well, um, in the past, as you know, like I mean, it
1: bands would go in the studio and they'd write an album and they do all right, and they did another album and they do better, and then another. And they're starting to hone their craft as songwriters. Like we know now what it takes to do it. So this band or the artist would get in there and do two or three albums yet, which is a long turnaround for the ROI, the return on investment. It's a long ways. It's a long stretch, a lot of minor leagues before you get to the pros, um, if you want to put it that way in sports analogies. But it, it takes them forever. But now we're on a fast track. Labels are on a fast track to make that money. Like, we're going to put money into it. We need to get money out of it. What's the fast way to do that? Let's take a whole bunch of seasoned writers, put them all together, let them put all their ingredients in the thing, put it in the oven, it'll come, to, come out a day later as a ridiculous, cool song. Um, and hits equals money. So instead of taking two to three albums to start honing your craft – like, let's just take crafts that are already honed by other people, the same 10 writers in a certain genre, throw them in in the pot um, in different combinations, like three today, four tomorrow, whatever, put a hit together
0: and uh, pump it out, make our money back immediately. So I, I definitely, coming into the the industry, it was quite a surprise to me, this whole co-writing thing. Um, not like a, oh my gosh, but definitely a, oh, I didn't know that. Um and it's, it's somewhat of a mystery. We hear the term singer-songwriter all the time. Uh, and I know in the past, that was a big deal. I remember it was a big deal in 2007, 8, when Taylor Swift came out as this young girl and she was writing her own songs. But as, a, as just a consumer at the time, I didn't know, was she writing all these songs by herself? Was she writing them with someone else? What, what is, what's the significance of the artist actually writing on their song versus not writing on their song? Um, and Seth, I, I know that, that, uh, we, we kind of talked earlier, um, about the music and how there's not really much of a mystery to it. Well, maybe it was a mystery to me cause I'm a little slow. Um, there's definitely a a formula to how this works.
2: In terms of how these songs are written. Yes. A lot of people new artists come in saying, I want to change this whole thing. I want to break the mold. I want to do my own different thing. And then they figure out that in order to get played on radio, their hat, their, their stuff cannot be just so off the wall and left field. It has to fit a format yeah. and and radio in certain genres is the driving factor. Like in, in country music, it's all about radio In Christian music. It's all about radio <laughs> In rock music. It, kind of used to be that way it seems like it's a little less maybe radio, now but that? it's kind of not even really a thing anymore but like <laughs> top 40 i mean yeah uh you know all of that stuff so you're driven by trying to get one of those 10 to 15 coveted slots that mind you ed sheeran's also fighting to get and justin <laughs> bieber's fighting to get so you're not only up against your peers you're up against who's already there yeah so to break in you have to fit the format i i I just cannot, and, and I hate telling it to artists and I, I really don't ever just flat out say it, but like what you want to accomplish, what what you're saying you want to accomplish and what is actually realistic is physically impossible. Do you think this, this takes the artistry out of the art of music? I mean, the creativity, like there's no individuality if there's a format? I think the artistry is within that format and that's what that's where the true artists are able to succeed. That's why working with guys like, for king and country who you brought up who understand that there is a format and they do not deny that. So do they write for that format or do they write
1: in you when you're yes writing and with no. them? And they're like, Hey guys, no, we got to do this way.
2: Yes. And no, I would say in every genre, there's what I would call your um, lane wideners, okay. like your boundary pushers or whatever. And they're definitely one of those. Some, some are meant to just go straight down the middle, but they're the ones that are easily forgotten. Like there was that, you know, Dr. Luke phase a few years back where every artist that came out sounded like Dr. Luke. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell the difference between Kesha and, you know, whatever the new Katy Perry single was, or Jesse J, any of those things, they kind of all just blended together. So, um, the struggle nowadays, I mean, cause radio is such a powerful thing. It's, it's being replaced by streaming, by, by Spotify, by Apple music. And they will argue that it's a more democratic. It's an even playing field. It's, you know, you don't have to appe- appease the, the gatekeepers. You can put your music up, it gets on the platform, it gets played, it gets heard. However, there's a far smaller number of gatekeepers now because they're the, the playlist curators.
1: Right. That's a whole new thing.
2: So you're still, you're, you're not only going after 80 stations, you're going after one guy. Right. You know, for whatever your format is. And a lot
1: of these playlist gatekeepers, if you will, yeah. um, the the road maintenance guys uh, yeah. who get to define the lanes, um, might be just sitting in their basement of their parents' like house. Or, yeah,
2: I mean the big ones nowadays work for Spotify. Or
1: yeah, as I say or hired/employed slash by yeah. the companies that that the platforms are on. Yeah. And
2: hear me say, I'm not dissing that. I don't know a better way to do it than that. Right. Um and they they're doing the best job they can. None of them are just sitting there saying I want to screw new bands or whatever. They actually really take pride the ones that I know and that we work with. Take pride in breaking new in artists, finding the new talent. But yeah, that's that's a part of the fun of their job. However, you've the the talent has to
0: rise to the top. The cream has to rise to the top. Even yeah. for that, I wish iTunes could find some better playlist curators. I mean, iTunes' idea of rock music
1: or hard rock music or metal is very interesting to me. Like looking at the the breaking hard rock charts and seeing some of the bands that are up there. Like those, that's not rock music like at all.
0: Just a ukulele and Someone, like, why is this rock singing with some reverb on their vocal?
2: <laughs> it's interesting, and I don't really know a whole lot about the rock genre aside from a couple bands that we've worked with, but um, it's it's very interesting and, and and Apple, you know, I think they would admit that they've they've lagged severely behind Spotify and they're they're playing catch up now and they're doing a lot better of a job. and the people that we know there are great, but it's the same issue just a different platform you know it's it's the bottleneck is still the same for artists and songs
1: man i have a million questions to ask you about this in your songwriting process and we have some bombs to drop on you the listener um about the songwriting industry things that we've been kind of holding for a while um as well as how you get paid how much you get paid and how much are these people that we hear on the radio getting paid and and how that works out for songwriters but we have to take a break first we'll be right back
2: Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and I got a huge announcement for all of you songwriters out there. The Song Chasers commercial songwriting course is now available, and you can get it for a special deal at turneduppodcast.com slash Seth, just like my name, S-E-T-H. This is a comprehensive course in commercial songwriting for anyone who wants to be a part of writing a hit song. Again, go over to turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Everything you need to know about commercial songwriting, turneduppodcast.com slash Seth.
0: And we're back. Welcome back. No, I'm not going to talk like that. I just, I like saying it that way. I don't know. It's exciting. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> uh, we're here with Seth Mosley. Yeah, we and- haven't gone anywhere. And uh, (laughs) amazing, uh, legendary songwriter, uh, as well as producer um, and engineer. But we're here to talk to him about his songwriting. So, how much much are we talking money-wise? We're sitting in a ridiculous recording studio in an
1: awesome neighborhood in a great part of Tennessee. You're doing well for yourself, Seth. And just to put this in perspective of... How many songs you're writing, volume-wise, and then how successful those songs are doing. Um Because at this rate, <laughs> uh the mechanical royalty for every song that sells on an album, if you wrote a hit song by yourself and that song sells, you get approximately 9.1 cents mechanical royalties for that song. Each time... Someone buys each that song. time that either someone buys the album that song's on or the song sells as a single through iTunes or whatever. But you just said you're not writing a song by yourself. So that 9.1 cent is split amongst all of the songwriters on that track. So let's use Uptown Funk as an example here. 13 writers, 13
0: 9.1 cent every time that sells. So what's that equate to? So for every one purchase of that song, each writer is getting almost one cent.
2: <laughs> assuming
0: they're even splits. Assuming. That's, that's a assuming, thing, too. And that's quite an assumption.
2: That's a whole other conversation.
0: Um, assuming they're even splits, uh, just meaning that every songwriter gets the same percentage. The equal percentage, yeah. Um, they're getting 0.7 cents. Wow. So, so not for every two, quite they get cent. a cent and a half. Correct. Wow. But, but I bet that's sold more than four times. We know that that song sold a few sold copies millions of times mm-hmm. and uh you know even at that let me i'm just going to do this math really quick you know there's
1: an exception to the whole songwriter split 9.1 cent per unit sold thing and that's with ghost writers which we'll get to in a minute cuz they're often pay for higher uh we'll just get to ghost hires in a minute but yeah that's the only i guess exception to
0: the 9.1 rule as a writer so at a big exception to it anyway at a million copies uh, if you wrote and got an even share of that song as the 13th writer, <laughs> you got a check for $7,000.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: $7,000 for selling a million copies. Now, now that
1: that's says the songwriter, though, and there are other ways to make money off of the sales of, of songs. How,
0: how long would $7,000 uh, cover the utilities in this <laughs> studio? Well, we have... We we have a large house.
2: Me and my wife are actually not really, you know, extravagant luxury people. Like we have one car, and it's a Nissan. Um, So this house is way bigger than we would ever need. But the fact is, is that we don't own a commercial studio. We I don't don't have to go anywhere. It gives me two extra hours a day with my daughters, basically. So that's why we do this. But we have five air conditioning units in, in here, so those things go out uh i guess that would cover one air conditioning
0: unit dang (laughs) yeah yeah i just paid them on a house i own out in new mexico and it's hot outside guys it's hot it is hot i haven't been outside today but i'm taking your word for it it's hot so it's already hot so that's uh yeah you need to sell a lot of copies or write a lot of songs
1: um do you want to jump into Ghostwriter, or should we talk to seth for a minute in your songwriting process personally strip it down to how you work do you prefer music first or lyrics first? What's your process
2: for me? And I think that's a great question. Cause it, it's like, why in the world would you need 13 people? But it's all strengths and weaknesses. That's, that's how why, you know, when we're teaching songwriters to come through our things, I always teach people first thing, identify what's your strengths and what's your weaknesses. For me, it's always been music slash melody. Um, depending on the genre, sometimes like if it's, if it's, I've done Christian music for so long and have had, um, a good track record there. I, I, I feel like I've, it's a, it's almost like learning to speak a language so I can write a Christian lyric. Now me being newer to the country market, I really love having a lyric person in the room. Sure. So, because they know it, they've, they've either grown up in it, they've written 5,000 songs in it, what whatever it is. It's just, um, so, so my process is I like to start with music and melody, or sometimes I'll start with a song title. Like, um, That for me is a really good jumping off point.
0: I was going to say, what's an example? Is there a, like a song title that, that has made it now?
2: Well, I mean, just because it's top of mind, we, me and another friend, uh, in the Christian space, Mia Fields, she's another just beast of a songwriter. We wrote, uh, three on the new Francesca Battistelli record. She's so talented. And the first song started with a song title. And that was one called royalty. It's, you know, you can go get it on iTunes and stuff now, but um, that one started from that. To contrast it, we did another one on her record that was called You Belong. That one started with a conversation, and then we just started making a very theatrical, greatest showman-type <laughs> piece of music, and then then the title came so
1: after that. So let's strip it down even further. Do you have a, a notepad on your phone with all sorts of
2: work? Oh, I'm looking
1: at it I right a, now. I have a Trello card. Oh, that's cool. Or I have a Trello
2: board. So and it's just concepts or ideas or like, that's a really titles, cool like word. This is dozens of titles. I just collect
0: all the time.
3: I
2: have a category <laughs> of titles. I have titles must write. I have one of used, like ones I already did. Good call. And then if uh, that's pretty much all I have. So, so there's a bunch yeah. of crap in there. Like I'm probably, I don't know why I would have written this down, but I have one called Sunday, 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 probably cause I heard the guy say it on the radio ad or something. I was like, Coming to the civic center. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, maybe I was thinking of it as like a sync thing or an ad ad song or something like that, but it's probably never going to get written. I just that's I write all. I don't censor myself. I just write all of them down. That's smart. And then when I when one sticks out, like, um, I'll, I'll just move it over to the title must write section. Sure. So huh. that's that's kind of my. Method I, I I've it works well for me and that's cool. I have the same thing with with I have a track starts trello board too. So okay,
1: it's a it's a Tuesday morning songwriting session starts at ten. Um X Y Z band comes in here or songwriter comes in here the singer or whoever you're writing with for that for that group. Um let's say let's say Frankie Francesca comes in basically we're using her as an example. You guys sit here and just look at each other like now what like what's the first move? Do you like say hey let me look at my little board here or you like she go, I have a melody in my head, or listen to this guitar chord I came up with, which is cool.
2: No, not any of those things. So what's the first downbeat? What happens? We just talk for 30 minutes or 40 minutes.
1: That's where I was going with this. Jake, you and I have written a lot of songs together. We've co-written with some of the biggest names in country music, um, songwriters-wise, and we've never met them until they show up at the studio. And that seems to be the, the trend. You just sit there and talk. You pour coffee or... Red Bull or water or whatever you're drinking together and and uh, you just talk about life. Like, hey, did you hear this new song? Oh, hey, what's in the news with that? Hey, I like your car, what kind of motorcycle you ride? Um, whatever. What do you do, do Friday night? That kind of thing. And you just get to know the person um, because we come from totally different backgrounds, totally yeah. different experiences, uh, different families, different different home lives. Everything is different. But you have a few hours to try to figure that out and, uh, knock out a song together. So you, so you spend the first 30 minutes just talking.
2: Yeah, because I, I really do believe in, and we, we, talked about the formula. There, there is a formula. There's just, there's no two ways about it, but I do believe in authenticity as well too. So I think writing from a place of that is real to you, whether it's something you're experiencing now or, or one of the co-writers is experiencing or even a friend, something, I mean, we're, we're kind of, that's so what we are as songwriters, is we're always just mining people's stories and putting them out there for the world to hear. So don't make friends with us. like We'll, we'll, tell, your, <laughs> we'll tell your dirt to the world. <laughs> right.
1: You know, um, th- Is there ever a time where you don't get that liberty to come up with the concept? Um, I know there's a thing in the industry called pitch sheets, and there, there are often suggestions from labels or management that say, hey, we need a song about...
2: You know it's yeah, the pitch sheets or briefs, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of versions of that. there's who's looking lists. We keep those more so in country um I don't know that there's a whole lot of genres outside of country that you would even nowadays. the goal is always to write with an artist for their record. Could you
1: briefly summarize what a pitch sheet is. What's that look like? I mean, is it inbox yeah. stuff? Or?
2: Um just a simple, it could be a Word document or a Google Doc, just saying this is what this person is looking for. Um, it you know, let's just take the new high valley record, for instance, we're producing for for Warner, and it'll list the producer, so it'll say, you know, Seth Mosley, X O'Connor on it, and stylistic references like which we didn't give them any of these, so I have no idea how they got this. <laughs> but they they have like Keith Urban and like Mumford and Sons or something, and
1: you so know, like, make it sound something like this.
2: Yeah, and, and content wise, do we want up tempo? Do we want down tempo? What you know,
0: is it need to be popped? Does it need to be? Need to be- yeah. So the label sends that out uh, to publishers, essentially, uh, for the most part. Music Row, uh, they're
2: they're probably the biggest source of it. So if people are listening out there, that's probably the best honestly thing you could subscribe to like because they have a, a pitch sheet they'll email me once a quarter <coughs> what are you still working on this record what do you need like the, that kind of stuff
0: right? and when you say music row there's obviously the physical music row yes that you're sorry talking it's, it's, about. A publication. it's a publication yes. yeah. i think
2: you have to pay to be on that like i don't want I don't, yeah i don't think it's that much i don't I, think so either so that's probably the best source if you're looking to get in a country now outside of that sky's lamb I mean sync you could talk a little bit about sync you know because because <laughs> you'll get what what we call briefs from like a ad company or music supervisors looking for x y and z I mean
1: so you say sync and for the layman out there that's that's that music for commercials or TV or movies, stuff that's yes. replacement
0: for, for for picture film, music. film so television video, okay. or
2: video games
0: yeah exactly Man. so as much as we might have in our minds that these songs kind of happen 100% organic uh you know my favorite country artist was driving out he was driving his tractor out in the field during harvest season With and had dog, this cool idea for just a lost song his wife and, it was horrible yeah and I, you know <laughs> grabbed his pen and paper that he keeps right beside him and pinned it down and then went to the studio a couple days later and was like man i had this song idea i want to track it
2: that's probably the story that gets told
0: right but, <laughs> but a lot of the, the time story
2: that not. never happens wait
1: so in these radio interviews with your favorite artists, when like, hey, what was your inspiration for this? They have to invent a
2: story for that? A lot of the time, yes. Or, or take something that has happened in a similar time frame and just relate it to... I mean, think about the artists that didn't write the song. Like, how do they relate it, you know? Right. Right. So you, you it, the, the best artists know how to communicate and, and, and weave it in and feel, not feel like it's just out of left field. But there have been some where they'll they'll invent specifics like i'll be listening to the radio and like yeah you know so i was driving on 65 and uh, i saw this sign <laughs> and so and so it's like no you didn't like that was a title we brought in that morning right <laughs> not that I, I don't care like credit to me whatever i'd rather it be a good story for the listener and
0: you know so i
1: wonder if the chain smokers were really ever in the backseat of their rover <laughs> my daughter's gonna be, be very disappointed in that that is <laughs> um, a great question
0: no but but uh yeah so that's i mean that's quite interesting to learn that the Uh, a lot of this is kind of, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it sound more, sorry, I'm going to make it sound more scandalous than it really is. But a lot of this is kind of cooked up in a studio from a a list that somebody got in their inbox, uh, from a publication that a record label sent. And some people sat down and said, Oh, okay. Hey, I actually have an idea that I think uh, works with what they're looking for here. Let's write this song and, uh, or the song's already written and let's pitch it. And then now, You know, you've got Mr. Country Artist uh, or Mrs. Country Artist uh, on the radio saying, yeah, I was driving up 65 and this is, you know, I was thinking blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, not even close. Um,
1: I actually saw you in your Mercedes um, sedan.
0: Yeah, exactly. But this is Starbucks. (laughs) You know, oftentimes I think because music touches our hearts in such a personal and unique way outside of, of other forms of media or even just our average everyday things, uh, our brains want to have a more grandiose idea of what's happening well, We romanticize here. it. Exactly. But this is
2: the unsexy truth about the songwriting industry is that 99% of it is a day on a calendar.
0: Right. And and especially for the professional songwriter, you're doing like what, what Stephen Foster did where you're writing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs um, with the knowledge that, there's a good chance, maybe only a, a small handful of those will ever actually become noteworthy, and and few, uh, few people are as fortunate as Max Martin, uh, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, and Seth Mosley to actually have several hits and to continue to be able to grow. Um, and the the trick to that is not a trick at all. Is that right? It's not a trick at all.
2: It's that thing of it's 90 percent perspiration and 10 percent inspiration and
0: as cliche as it sounds that was something when i started getting into songwriting really baffled me that uh you know when i when i was quite green i was you know i would write a song that song was my baby it was my child i wrote it it was my emotion it was the song about that one girl or that time that that person did that one thing and and that, and it happened, and I was so sad or happy yeah. or whatever. And the world needed to hear it, and it was so good, and got my song. And then, if I ever wrote another one, now I have two songs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, joining a band, like, hey, guys, I have these songs, I gotta hear these yeah. two songs I wrote. Uh, exactly. And the, the truth of the matter is, um, it's it's not really that far off from gambling. You're you're playing odds, and it's a numbers game. And, uh, of course, you want to be good at it, and you have to be good at it, but the way to get good at it is by doing it a lot.
2: Well, you think about batting averages; it's very much like that. I mean, if you're batting a thousand, you're playing in little leagues. If you're batting five hundred, you're playing in minor leagues. If you're batting three hundred, you're playing in the ma- in the in the majors, right. and you're killing it. Like if yeah. you're batting three, you know what I mean? Yeah. Songwriting, like you said, is so true. I mean, I was I was just trying to pull up my. Uh, we use an app called Songspace just to to keep track of all of our songs and everything. I was trying to pull that up and I can't get get it to work. But I think there was like eight hundred or nine hundred songs in their
0: last I checked My gosh. So, and, and how many number ones just across any any genre do you have including Say.
2: songs that we've produced and, and written it's over 25 at this point but ones that I was a writer on maybe 20 Man. and that's that's out of out of eight
0: or nine hundred. Eight or nine hundred
2: and even out of those number ones like what format is it like you know is it a radio a big radio song like there's a lot of different types of right you know, there's a, there's a wide variety there. Yeah. So of songs that you can truly point to and say, this is where my, you know, thankfully we were able to build our house from or something like that. Like it's, you can count them on like one hand or two hands.
1: Yeah. All right. Honestly, when you wrote one of those songs, any of them, pick one. Did you ever have that feeling like, I know this is a hit. This is going to be a song that does really well. Or is it like, (laughs) Does it surprise you? Like I knew it was gonna be a good song, but I didn't know it was gonna be that good. Or like this one's gonna be this one's gonna kill. It's just I just wrote
2: another
0: song. Here's another song.
2: In general, it. what I would say is my goal at the end of every session is to feel like that could be one of those. Sure. Um, so the short answer is no, I don't know. But I want to leave at the end of every session feeling like that that could potentially be one of those. There, there are your handful of days where you're like, I'm just not sure. And there are a lot more surprises than there are accurate predictions too you know
0: that's completely true so 100 percent true because you don't know at the end of the day really you're writing songs for for the listener Yes, for not for you else. yeah and uh and that's a large swath of people who are affected by a lot of different factors and and you don't know because that song you wrote today may not hit an outside ear for a year or two or three and you don't know how society is going to affect or culture is going to change that person's perception of your song and i'm getting way deep into it yeah that's why it's such a mystery and why you can't take every song you write and treat it like it's the ring and your golem and you will you will
2: literally become that 0.53 of a person if you do of of that (laughs) song you'll you'll get killed You, you just can't live that way and I see that with new songwriters especially a lot, is they take every song, they put so much pressure on it. Like this Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and I got a huge announcement for all of you songwriters out there. The Song Chasers commercial songwriting course is now available. And you can get it for a special deal at turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Just like my name, S-E-T-H. This is a comprehensive course in commercial songwriting for anyone who wants to be a part of writing a hit song. Again, go over to turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Everything you need to know about commercial songwriting, turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. has to be the one. This is the one. It's not the one. Like, just write another one. Maybe, and then 10 years, you look back, maybe that was the one. Right. But it doesn't matter. You have to do it because you love it.
1: Yeah. So so what happens formality-wise? You, you get in here, you write a song. You're like, awesome. That was a good one. High five. Good job, everybody. Um, what do you have tangibly or, you know, digitally at the end of the songwriting session? Is it like an iPhone voice memo of you and a guitar? Uh, are you like full out tracking at that point? Like, what's the next step? What happens?
2: My pro- I can only speak to my process. Sure. And my process has always been to treat everything like it's a finished, on the re- ready-to-go-to-radio production.
1: So you and write a song and it sounds like it's on an album already.
2: That's the goal by the end of the day. By the end of the day. Yeah. Like, or by the end of the session. Sometimes it may take two or three sessions to finish, but by the end of the session, I want it to sound like it could go to the radio.
1: And when you're done, is there ever a time you're
2: like, I dig it, but, I mean, it's
1: been like three weeks. You know, It pops up on your phone, on your Bluetooth, and you're like, oh wait, man, I don't like this verse at all. Do you ever go back and read, do anything, or is it like, we're done? Oh, all it? the
2: time. Yeah? yeah, yeah, totally. And it depends on the artist, too. Um, there are some artists that it may take a year like and Interesting. and you revisit it from time to time and but there are other ones that will like one of the biggest songs I was a part of I mean it probably took an hour to write so it's just there's no mm. sign like there's a formula to the song itself but there's no formula to the process. Right. What
0: song was that? I just want to know.
2: Um, it was a song with High Valley. It's a cu- it was a country single. did really well last year called She's With Me. And I think we wrote the whole thing in like sixty minutes That's and awesome. was probably has probably been my top earning song of wow. all to, like a, that Dang. to to this point you know my career so
0: that is awesome so and i also happen to know just because you really are i mean i can't stress this enough to our listeners uh you're not a, a nobody you don't have those oh, trophies man. hanging on your wall because no one's heard of you you're very highly regarded in this industry and so i've you know i've been researching you for a while um and i happen to know that that's called stalking <laughs> Well
2: R and D stocking.
1: By the way. You don't set up fake Instagram accounts and call it R and D. I
0: like I like those new uh the new um elastic band Hanes that you picked up last week. I picked myself up some too since I saw that's what you were using and uh, that's why I put, that's why I post it all, man. Uh no, um but I, I uh I do happen to know that the way you treat your, your tracks uh of, of your songs, the way that you um do that is a big reason why you were able to get some of those early opportunities that yeah. have led you to today and uh, you know I know that for myself personally it's been quite inspiring because mm, it's awesome. um you know I, I my previous band we were signed to Atlantic and uh, I know that you actually wrote with our, our former yeah, yeah. singer yeah. uh once or twice I'm not sure but um you know he they would ship him all over the place to write with different songs uh songwriters and uh, I think just for sake of the bill if it was a song that more than just he and the other writer were going to be on, then we essentially would write a song together. And then he would take that song to another writer um, at the label's request. And uh, because, you know, they, they want to, they don't trust you with their money. They want to make sure that you've got a hit writer um, it's a track record. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the song. So, uh, so it'd be a song maybe that we, but all that to say, um, we would get some of those demos back uh, from big, big songwriters, you know, and they sound atrocious. Um and uh and so I think, you know, I, I would have never guessed such a thing and how impressive it can be to anyone in the industry to hear a demo and be like, is this the demo or is this the real thing? Yeah. Um and so that's that uh just a rabbit trail. Do I they ever use mind. those tracks that you do like <clears throat> all doing, the time? Like, yeah. So all they, the time. they
1: keep them that they, they when you turn in a song, like say, Hey, we're gonna cut this, what do you deliver to them?
2: So a lot of the times it's not the label, like it's whoever's producing it will be okay, the next so the step. Producer. So, like, um, and sometimes that's us. It just depends on if we have a pre existing relationship or what the agreement has been. So, if there's another producer, we'll send the tracks over. Sometimes they'll keep them, sometimes they'll redo them. Yeah. Um, but as far as turning it into our publishers, it will usually just be an MP3 with like as best of demo as we can with a song lyric, with the writer names, date of creation, and, uh, Song splits, which usually in in our world is always even splits. We always push hundred percent of the time for even, even I, splits. I assume you
1: bring that up before you
2: start writing, or how does that work? Like, well, hey, it's it's we're interesting here or what? It's interesting in Nashville. It's just assumed. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just known. Um, in a lot of LA, it's just assumed, but in certain circles, it's not, <laughs> and it's addressed on the back end, which can get squirrely, you know. Yeah. But I'm always open-handed with it. There's there's only ever been one time in my entire career out of 900 songs that I've pushed back. And that was because we talked about it on the front end. Right. And then they reneged on it.
1: That's not a good thing to do.
2: No, it's not. So it's just a bad, I mean, you know, lying is one thing. Like I can forgive
0: just, hey, we forgot to talk about this. And,
2: you know, but um, anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit trail
0: oh, it just makes sense and i heard i even heard taylor swift talk about it um you know she before she writes with anyone that's even splits or we're not writing yeah exactly um and uh, there's a there's just a, a bit of psyche you know if the three of us right now were to write a song together um you know i might be nervous because you're a much more accomplished songwriter than myself and so if we were not doing even splits you'd be think, fighting for even in my mind i'd be battling with oh man he's he's already writing so much more of this song than me uh, you know, It kills creativity. And it's, it absolutely yeah. kills it. And everyone's more concerned about how much of the song is theirs and how much did they contribute. And then also trying to keep track of it as you go. And yeah. like, wait, I wrote that line, but he changed the one word in the line. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, there is physically no way to separate yourself in, in that scenario where you know your words and your contributions are being measured mm-hmm. for it to be a best idea wins environment. That cannot exist in that scenario.
0: And I think that intellectual... Uh, intellectual property is is not the only thing that you contribute to a song no you know? and uh and that's why just doing even splits works so much better and then on the back end you know if we are going to try to quantify it there are going to be some days where you contribute mo- most of the song exactly and there's going to be other days when you contribute hardly any of the song and yeah at the end the the hope is that it pretty much you know evens out. Yeah.
2: And here's the deal if it's talked about on the front end and you knowingly go into a situation knowing that it's not even splits that's totally your call if you want right. to do it's that. it's all or negotiable. Not. Right? Yeah. So I've been part of several things where that's been the case and it was I knowingly went in knowing that I'm probably going to get less on this than I'm used to but it's a project I want to do for whatever reason it is.
1: Yeah. So so splits being even I'm almost, I'm all for it. I feel like that's a good way to just take your mind off of it and then let's get creative.
0: And these are... Now, this is all pertaining to songs that that we write and and splits in terms of the, the percentage out of 100%, how much of the percentage of the song you're going to get so that how much of that 9.1 cents is yours every time the song sells, mm-hmm. right? But there is a completely separate scenario that happens. It's specific to other, you know, some genres more than others where these ideas don't necessarily matter or count or they, they're measured differently. And what is that? Yeah, there's a sidestep to that, which is ghostwriting,
1: um, which is essentially someone who's writing the song without like intentionally not getting credit for it. So, uh, Jake, you and I are going to write a song together uh, and it's just not happening. I'm like, Hey, Seth could knock this out of the park. Seth, what do you think about us paying you $20,000 to write this song for us? But, that's all you get. You get 20 grand and then let us say that we wrote it. And Seth's like, I'm a million dollars, bro. Um, so <laughs> okay, we'll pay you a million dollars. And uh he does it, and then we put out a song, and it's like this is the Jake and Robert band, um, the best song in the world. It's a great name. And we wrote Version. it. So we keep that nine point one cents. We split it, um, between you and I, Jake, and Seth is done doing other things, but he got his million dollars. Because um, that was work for hire. So that's a thing that happens, and honestly, a, l- a lot in hip-hop, not a lot in hip-hop, more so in hip-hop than I know of in other genres, where um, rappers and artists agree to have somebody else write their lines for them, um, which is kind of frowned upon in the industry just because of how it is um, and the personal relationships that rappers have with other rappers, um, whether it be good or bad relationships. Um, I mean, it's weird putting out a diss track that someone else wrote. Um, right. Which is very current and Jake will talk about in a second. But uh, the Ghostwriters are typically paid anywhere between 10 and 20 grand upfront for their anonymous c- contributions. Um, and if it's a big label project, even more than that. And uh, popular rappers even charge 50 grand upwards just for a, a cameo spot or um, writing a-, a verse. I mean, I'm guessing Timbaland or something, or Dr. Dre was to, to write a-, a line that costs more than Robert Venable writing a line in a hit hop mm-hmm. song.
0: Well, um, I you know, I think the hope for the songwriter is that they make more than they would have made had they not taken the, you know... Well, you're taking a in. gamble, right? Right, and then, of course, the...
2: Funny enough, I've never, ever even heard of a scenario like that. So yeah. it probably is just in completely different genres or cultures or whatever than I'm used to working in.
1: And I wonder on the flip side, if it's not as much the artist asking someone else to write, um, or, or, I mean... They came to Dr. Dre and say, hey, you would make our career jumpstart if you would just do this verse for us. Dr. Dre's like, I've never heard of you, Jake and Robert Band. Um, I'll do it for 50 grand right now. I'll write it. You just keep my name off of it. Because um, he's like, maybe this will tank or I don't approve of your and guy's the other thing is the artist could be
2: making a bet based off of them thinking it's going to be a million dollar song.
1: Absolutely. And, and they're and getting a
2: great deal if they pay him 50 grand.
1: Right. right? You never know what's going to happen. Or they just wasted 50 grand and they get to tell their grandkids that Dre wrote that. Exactly. Um, but there are some examples that have come to light, which I don't know are supposed to be public or not. You were telling me about one uh earlier that just blew my mind. I thought it was hilarious. The uh I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy, P. Diddy and the fam. Oh yeah. Um was a tribute to Biggie Smalls. It features P. Diddy or Puff Daddy at the time, um, Biggie's wife Faith Evans, and one twelve. Diddy's lines were actually ghostwritten by Jay Z's associate, Sauce Money.
0: You're kidding. Nope.
1: So how I mean that's Puff Daddy's song. That's his song. Um yet his line in the song was written by
0: Sauce Money. Well Which is weird to me. Totally weird. And and uh, you know, I wish I had more information. This is kind of off the cuff. So this weekend, uh you and I um the weekend that we, prior to this recording, uh you and I were in the car together for like twenty a good thirty hours, hours over yeah. the course of the weekend. Um and uh and so we were going through a lot of music and one thing that kind of hit the headlines uh, last week week before last was this Eminem Machine Gun Kelly back and forth feud and they're writing diss tracks uh, that's diss not disc diss <laughs> tracks about one another and uh, and so you know growing up in the 90s uh, I listened to Eminem when I was younger and and so one of the the song that Machine Gun Kelly was responding to with his rap devil track was a song called not alike. And, uh, and so as we were in the car, I was writing and we were listening to the song, uh, just, you know, kind of curious to know what's, what's all this hubbub about. And I scroll down to the bottom in iTunes and it lists the, the songwriters of any and every song that, that they have, you know, as long as the information's in the metadata. And, uh, on this particular song, not alike, there are, uh, listed four writers. Which I find really interesting. It's Eminem with one feature, so one other artist. Uh, who are the other two on the track? And uh, and the thing is, they they uh, they use their actual like their legal names as songwriters, uh, not their you know their hip hop names or whatever. So I don't, and you actually might know who these are, either one of you. I don't, but of course, M. Mathers, Marshall Mathers, Eminem. He's the real Slim um, Shady. <laughs>
3: exactly.
0: uh, please stand up. <laughs> um, R. Montgomery, B. Chambers. Uh, and R. Spencer Jr. or R. Spence Jr. Sorry, and uh, but it's funny because it's a diss track. It's a diss track. It's Eminem dissing someone else. And I just picture
3: a
1: bunch of people in a room going,
0: "Oh, you should tell him that
1: his hair looks weird." Now, <laughs> <laughs> tell him, tell him that his shoes are dumb. Tell him it's a submachine gun.
2: That's funny. <laughs> Write that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the times in the hip hop world, as I understand it, it's it's maybe two or three of them were the track guys and. So one guy, you know, it's a very communal way of building beats and tracks.
0: So like, you're saying you can get writer's credit for coming up with just like the beat idea? Uh, absolutely. Well, it was produced by Dre, and I guess I just kind of assumed that he was the, the beat guy, but I really have no idea.
2: But he may have, you know, you, how, how it works a lot of the time, he probably has his protégés, and some some dude brought him a beat, and then he put a twist on it or something, and then you know, that's very common. And it might have been that two other guys were sitting in a room working on it and that he put his stamp on it and then there's all of a sudden three people on the beat. Right. So that in the hip-hop world, that's a lot probably how it is where I don't know that they would have been contributing to Eminem. I wouldn't imagine lyrically. I would hope not. Um
0: but maybe ghostwriting happens. I to say maybe yeah. one of those writers is is the the other is the featured artist who Yeah, exactly. And that, and first that's first whatever. that makes total sense. Yeah. Kind of, um, I mean which I'd be curious to know is that an even split? I, I look, I tried to Google it, I couldn't find any information, but did Who knows? probably not. He probably
2: in terms of the featured artist or the just the writers in general.
0: The feature did did he get fifty percent of that song or did he get you know did they say out of all the words in the song?
2: And or, that's where it comes down to the artist. Whatever, whatever I, we have they no idea. To, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: oh, fun fact about that.
1: Uh, I'll be missing you. Um, Biggie Smalls tribute from Puff Daddy. So, because Puff Daddy didn't say please to Sting about getting that using that every breath you take yeah, sample, yeah. Or whatever, it's rumored that Sting makes two grand a day from from the sales of that. Really? Somehow, I don't know if it's lawsuit money or how that all equals wow. out. But he earns an estimated two thousand dollars a day from that song since Puff Daddy didn't say please before using that sample.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and uh, so, not only did Puff Daddy not write his own line in that song, he's losing two grand a day. To sting for stealing his thing. So what did, it does not even a Puff Daddy song anymore. It's a sting in the three other people's song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've never ghost written, I'm guessing, based off of that conversation.
2: No, not that I know of. So ghostly, you don't even remember. I've, yeah, I may or may not have.
1: Or is he not telling us?
2: Dun, dun, dun. This ghost never tells his ghost
1: stories. Oh, that's a good one.
2: But uh, no, I have not. I've never been approached to do that, and I'm not saying I wouldn't. Uh, I guess it's just not common practice. and A lot of people have a million dollars I... to give you. No, not really.
0: <laughs> so I think the question that we're all really wondering here, are you a part of the Illuminati? Yes.
1: I got an invitation on Instagram. That's the,
2: uh, I feel the like that's rewards club for Chuck E. Cheese, right?
1: Yeah, you get like 10 minutes
0: of free gameplay. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Once you join no, the Illuminati. Guys, no, I'm talking about like the... You get like... No, the Illuminati, like the... Okay. The, okay. They know the secrets about Jake. He's in obviously case, not allowed to talk about this.
2: Yeah, have to kill you, man.
0: Wait, or is it the Chuck E. Cheese thing? See, now I'm just confused. <laughs> <laughs> they they run in similar circles. Okay, they do. Um, they celebrities. Really do. That's what that president Chuck E.
2: Cheese. The back room with the with the fake band. That's where the most of the meetings happen. Actually,
0: okay, that's <laughs> terrifying. By the way, <laughs> those animatronics at every Chuck E. Cheese that'll give you nightmares. I don't care how old you are. So I worked at Chuck E. Cheese for I'm two years. Sorry. When I was sixteen. Sorry about that. You still have bad dreams. So they I got to be
1: Chucky once. This is a spoiler for any young children listening to this. Parents, turn it off. I have not taken my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese yet. Um so it's just a costume, not a giant rat. But being six foot five, Dang. the costume I wear, the uh, the the furry pants jumpsuit you put on <laughs> came to about mid-calf for me. And then the big fuzzy feet that you put on over your shoes. Came to regular shoe levels. So there was a good... It's like starting from the top. Chucky, 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 Chucky. White skinny legs. It's Chucky. Chucky, Chucky knees. Yeah, that was... It's Chucky knees. Welcome to Chucky knees. Um, so that was probably really horrifying for a lot of little kids wondering why Chucky was wearing white pull-up socks. Uh. Um, halfway mid-leg. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about some... like this was was ghostwriting. I want to talk about some co-writers really quickly and then I have some more questions for Seth. So is not the same as co-writing. Co-writers do get a split. Um, but so every artist, we've talked about this before on the podcast, they're not writing their own songs. And it's a big disappointment when your favorite Britney Spears song was written by Kesha. You're like, "Didn't know that was a thing." And how cool would it be to be Kesha and writing a song for Britney Spears because obviously there's a lot of influence there. Um similar genres and or same genre, similar line of song. Um But yeah, like so Kesha's the wor- the woman behind the words to Britney Spears single Till the World Ends. So like, really? can you imagine? Writing for one of your idols.
3: Um,
1: so Elton John wrote the music for a lot of his songs, but uh, Bernie Taupin actually was the force behind most of his lyrics, um, like 1972's Rocket Man or 1970's Your Song or Crocodile Rock from 1973. None of those Elton wrote. Even Elvis, let's go back even further. So Elvis Presley, he could take care of the hip gyrating um, and the smooth vocals, but uh, <laughs> songwriters like Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller actually covered the swoon inducing lyrics.
0: Of tracks like Jailhouse Rock and Hound Dog. Well, Um, I mean, Dr. Dre. uh, Nothing, you idiot. (laughs) Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement. (laughs) Uh, According to Snoot Dogg, uh, he and Dr. Dre, quote, couldn't come up with nothing as dope as Jay-Z when it came to writing the 1999 single Still DRE. DRE. So the song is called Still DRE and Dr. Dre
1: didn't write it? It's ironic. Jay-Z did. Yeah, and then um, there's just tons. Like, like I said, Max Martin's writing all those things for Katy Perry, and um, I, mean, I guess everybody under the sun, actually. But, but uh, so your favorite songs? Look them up. See who's writing
0: them. I have some questions, though.
1: You have any questions? I
0: do. Um, first question I want to ask is Truth Bomb, mm. blow our minds. Mm. What is what's what's the thing for you that was like I had no idea. Whenever you got into this or something that you would want to tell someone else, um, who's not a songwriter, just, just the. You know. It's like songwriting related. Something that you, not what you thought it would be like. I mean, it could be loosely songwriting
2: related. <laughs> I think songwriting related, I, I'd say a couple of things. First thing, songwriting related that it really is formulaic. There is a formula to commercial hit songs
0: so there's no mystery it's not there's not some sort of magical inspiration that strikes suddenly and you come up with this fresh new idea that no one has ever had before but i mean at some point somebody has to move the needle yeah at some point the formula has to change somewhat the lane wideners that you're talking about
2: it's it's
0: 90 formula you've got
2: to start there and 10 percent you like that's that's the that's the formula.
0: So it's just a very slow progression. It's a
2: very it's like
0: steering a cruise ship, basically. Yeah.
2: So that's been that was over the course of my 10, 12 years doing this full time, probably been the biggest thing.
0: When I mean, you say formula, do you mean specifically like like the arrangement, verse, chorus, first chorus, or do you mean like the types of words you use, all of or that, rhyming mm-hmm. scheme, all of that, like all the formula,
2: learning how to analyze a hit song from genre to genre you'll notice different patterns and trends and they change over time, but things like BPM, things like rhyme scheme or lack thereof things like uh melody, things like lyric concept or content um, or lack thereof, you know, it's, it's all of these different things and learning how to analyze those. And you really start to see, Holy cow, these things are like all the same, you know, in in some ways, yeah. Um, that's the that's the amazing thing about songs though is because w- how crazy is it that we hear them and we still think holy crap like that is blowing my mind right now even though it might not be that different from the thing that we heard 5 years ago. Right. Cuz you mentioned earlier familiarity. That's a that that's probably thing number 2 is so man I just came up with this on the spot the 2 F's the 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 formula and the familiarity. Like those those things have been mind blowing to me and it's so important to have familiarity. For a song to be a hit. So I would even imagine with Campton Races, Mr. Foster, that it was probably familiar to some nursery rhyme at the time or to like a pub drinking song or something. Mm -hmm. Um, You take Amazing Grace or any of the old hymns, they're like, they're familiar to pub drinking songs. They took the melodies from pub drinking songs. So there's familiarity already there, put Christian lyrics to them. Drinking in the church. Exactly. (laughs) So. I so, think, I think those two things
0: really for me, what you're saying is originally it was, you got an amazing face <laughs> and there's a guy in the corner going, write that down,
3: write
1: that down. Seeing what comes with Mm-hmm-hmm. grace. This is for Jesus
2: now. Yeah. It, that's, but that's the reality. It's, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people probably hear that and they're like, oh, that's disappointing. Like, yeah, but for people trying to be commercial songwriters, you're kidding yourself if you are, if you if you believe the opposite is true. Yeah, it's oh. just not.
1: So there's there's influence and there's familiarity. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you get too close to that line, um, like straight up ripping them off. Yeah. And that's where the whole Uptown Funk thing came into play. And yeah. I mean, some of those losses—they're becoming some of them are kind of crazy, but some of them you listen to, you're like, I totally hear that. And yeah. then my wife will listen to it and like, eh, I don't really hear it. I'm like, well, you're listening to it a different way than I am as a producer and songwriter. Yeah. 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 I'm hearing that percussion loop in the background and I'm hearing they have a crowd noise, whether it's going, Hey, or going woo. They're like, okay, we need this cowbell track. We need a crowd noise. We need this guitar that's panned hard, right over there doing some weird abstract lick. I'm like, and this song has all that same stuff, but like, where's that too close line? where like, boom, lawsuit, boom. You're just finding influence. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And there's a songwriter in the country world, will not name names, but he has about eight lawsuits at this point. So some people are more prone to it than others. <laughs> I've thankfully never had one. Um, and me and m- most 99% of the people I work with are very conscious of that. Yeah, But at the same time, it's a balance of how many notes exist. Right. You know, I mean, t- what? You know, 12, right? 12, yeah. In a high scale. High scale? 12
1: notes. 12, 12 chords, 12, right?
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, and ha- in, in, in really how many combinations can you come up with them? You know, if I've written 900 songs, how many songs have been written? It's, you just can't stress out over it. And you know, if I, if I, I have actually had this happen before and fine to admit it, but I've accidentally written the same melody on two songs. I was about to ask you that. Have you ever written the same song twice? I have. And they were both for two very well-known, like I would call (laughs) a list artists.
1: Have you ever written a song and then realized, Oh, that's uptown funk. Like that must've just been in your head from like two years ago. Like,
2: this is a cool so there's a lot of there. subconscious I've had other people point stuff out, yeah that's like man you got you should probably change that and i'm I'm the first person to want to change it right. I, I like, don't, don't want that no
3: yeah.
0: I, I wrote a song I'll never forget we were actually just working with uh, uh Cooper yeah John Cooper yeah and uh um and so I had written uh, a music bed a couple of lyrics sent it over to our singer and he kind of finished out the track who then sent it to John and John. John adjusted a couple of things that just made it awesome and we were all stoked yeah had this super rad track and uh, about 3pm the day after all this beautiful inspiration happened with this song uh, I get a phone call from one of the other guys in the band who says so I want you to listen to this Breaking Benjamin song and I ripped off the, the song almost note for note and had no idea it was completely Completely sublim or subconscious, uh, you know. At the time, I was intentionally trying to avoid listening to certain things so that I wouldn't rip them off. But maybe if I had listened to it recently, I would have known immediately that that's what that was from, and that I've it wasn't actually an original song track that I'd come up with. Yeah,
2: it's a balance of having influences, but also of not being too influenced.
0: You know, quite interesting enough, uh, the the last skillet record that came out, I'm fairly certain. Uh, John recycled the lyrics that he had used for that song, which never saw the light of day. But mm. um, there's a song that almost is perfectly mm. uh, word for word. What what? Which super cool line? Yeah, and
2: people have their tendencies too. It's like I mean, as as a musician or guitar player, like I'm I'm gonna probably have my norms that I gravitate to, which is why I think it's important to write on like different instruments and in different settings and you sure. know, just to break your mind
0: out of it, you know. Now now I happen to know you are full of a lot of songwriting wisdom. Um, you know, whether it's uh I I I, I quote you a lot with <laughs> with artists that I work with, especially um, you know, uh younger or newer artists, uh, mm. whether I'm producing or songwriting with them. Uh one of my favorite ones is actually something I saw the first time I visited your studio up by the sink that said Dare to Suck. Mm. And uh and how Really, I think as it comes to songwriting, and and especially anybody who wants to be a songwriter, that's probably their biggest fear, and the number one reason why people don't write songs is because they're too afraid of sucking,
3: mm.
0: and uh, they're too afraid that you know they they might spend five years working on one song, yeah, and uh, and that's you have to be able to say it's okay if I suck at this; it might just be bad, and, and it's hanging on to that in co-writing sessions don't be afraid to offer
1: your opinion to those who have been around in the industry longer than you writing yeah. songs. So if Jake and I were to write with you, we might be hesitant to like offer our line cause we're afraid of rejection. But I just heard a, um, a guy in the studio a couple weeks ago tell me, um, he's, he's uh, Scotty Wilbangs, you know, Scotty mm-hmm. third day. Yeah. Uh, he said songwriting is a lot like uh, two beautiful women, a blonde and a brunette. They're both beautiful, but different ways. Hmm. So it's like, Throw your lines out. Both lines might work for the song right there, but you can't get all butt hurt if they choose some other line to fit in. That like he's like, no, nah, I think this one fits better for the song. They're both great lines. Yeah. you just got to you just have to pick the brunette over the blonde, or vice versa, or whatever it is. Um, they're both great creations. So yeah. you can't you gotta, can't be scared to suck. You can't be scared to throw out your idea because it's probably a great idea. And in a lot of cases, it might it might suck. Yeah. But but take that risk because that line might change the course of the song too. Mm-hmm. With the veteran in the room going. Whoa! Yes, let's go that direction. Let's chase that rabbit, um, because and then you, you pat yourself on the back, but don't show it outside, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then you you get Chipotle after it.
2: You yeah, go. exactly. That that's always our mantra is dare to suck, and even that I stole from somebody else. Like I'm I'm I have enough hopefully humility to to recognize that I really don't have that many original thoughts, including that one.
0: There's nothing new under the sun. No, right? there's nothing new.
2: It. So for me, it's more about the hang. Like, you know, it's not about it's it, it's not about my idea being the one that you know. There, there's a lot, and there's different personalities of co writers too. There's writers that I write with who are very adamant on it's their way or the highway. You know, and and, and that's cool if you want if you like their thing <laughs> that they do. You know,
1: it's cool if you want to write number four songs to have number one. That's exactly, my, It's whatever, totally
2: man. cool. If you if you like <laughs> stuff that sucks, I mean, you know, <laughs> if that's your thing, that's your a thing. Good way to sell, keep doing to it, not
1: sell records. Yeah,
2: yeah, but um dare to suck really is something that we try to embody every day. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've never written a song before. It doesn't matter if, um, you know, you, you're on a completely different plane than I am culturally or successful. It does. It just doesn't matter. Cause I really do believe that everybody has the potential to create greatness, you know, yeah. it, but it's very subjective, you know, cause then, There's greatness, there's art, and then there's commerce, too. Those are, it's a whole gray area. So, I always just try to take the stress out of the room, take the stress out of a situation. Sometimes that can just be me, myself, saying, hey, this isn't the line, it probably sucks, but fill in the blank. Like, stuff like that, you know?
1: Seth Mosley, you have built an empire. You have, (laughs) like, you have the knowledge, you have to know how, you have the track record, obviously, all the millions of awards, and all the millions of awards, and and trophies and plaques and gold records out there on the walls um and this ridiculous studio we're sitting in um you have a wealth of information mm. and and I don't know if you've written a book but you should or you, <laughs> um but I do know that you are about to share some wisdom um and and there's ways for you the listener to partake in this wisdom and just suck it all up um which I'm excited to actually sit in and on. And uh, Jake, I know you were talking about it before we started this podcast on how excited you are about this. But Seth, tell us about what you are about to release on a global level. What's what's about to happen?
2: Yeah. So I thought about it and the book thing, literally, I have, I have thought about that. And I talked to a mentor of mine and he was like, man, you should just put everything you know into like a course. Well, the first thing was a podcast. Like, okay, you should start a podcast. And then after you figure out your thing and blah, 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 you should do a course. Um, and so when I sat down to think about doing one on songwriting, I'm like, "This is gonna be easy. Like I do this in my sleep. I do it. I can do it in three days. I'll bang it out in a weekend. I'll just set up my computer and blah blah blah." I sat down to do that, and a year, a year and a half later, here we are with the finished product. It's a long weekend. It's a very long weekend, <laughs> um, but it's a course, and it's called the Song Chasers Course. And I, I I'm, I'm of course biased by saying this. But it really is the most comprehensive course out there on commercial songwriting.
1: And there and I, are a couple out there. You can Google it. There's yes. some out there online, and I've I've some looked great at a couple ones. of them. Um, yeah, there are, but some of them don't tell the whole story,
0: and, or sugarcoat it, or say just what they want to to make a few bucks. Yeah, but there seems to be this sort of like proprietary you know, secrecy. It's like a it's like a company saying, "Oh, we'll tell you everything that's in our our ingredients." In our playbook, yeah, and and then you look, and it's like proprietary blend exactly it's like there's there's always kind of that, right. they're holding sort of something thing. back um but but tell us about your course because i happen to know and and for those of you that that you know don't know seth um he is he's a very humble man and uh and he doesn't necessarily have to be because uh he could kind of carry himself as more of a look at me i'm awesome and he doesn't hmm. uh and i think that that kind of shows through in his teaching materials so what kind of things um you know if you are wanting to get into music, or if you've been in it for 20 years and you're wanting to learn how to do it better. um,
2: You know, people can get something out of it no matter where they're at, but there's a lot of really advanced stuff in it. So so maybe not just for beginners. Not only, not (laughs) only. So from, I I literally think that if you are just starting out and you've never done anything before, there's stuff to learn. But I also think that there's enough in there that a lot of it's going to probably go over their head until they actually put it into practice, um, so that a veteran can get a lot out of it as well, too. Because, and I know that because I got a ton out of it. And my, my songs, even even as a result of doing all this research, and like, it, it's actually given me a good framework to think about songwriting in the process. It's a little bit de-stressing to have that framework. So you're not just walking into a blank room with empty space, a blank page that's the most intimidating thing for most people. It's actually a framework to think about. Okay, well, where do I start? You know, what are here's five, ten ways you can start. Okay, where do I go once I've got the start? Uh, what are some things I need the melody to be doing? What are some things that the lyric needs to be doing to elicit a response from the listener, which is really all of our goal at the end of the day? And then after that, what do I do with it? You know, so so that's sort of what we try to distill, and that's why it took about a year, year and a half. Um, to, to teach. And that's how I know why, even if you've been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years, you'll still get something out of it because most people don't think about this stuff. You're making me mad because you're going to be giving away the formula essentially (laughs) that's keeping us employed. (laughs) I am. I am. And and I I always share that. I share that I always have an, I have an abundance mentality. Um, I didn't always grow up that way. You know, I'm from a small town and a lot of nothing against small towns, but it's just there's a lot of sort of stuck in your ways sort of thinking. And for me, the culture that I'm trying to create here with full circle music and, and through things like the song chasers course is a give it all away mentality. Funny enough, the first song I met when I tracked drums with you was called give it away. Huh? Fun fact. Just thought of that. That's funny. Um, Strange. but it's, it's, it was actually a Christmas it came, song. It just came full circle. It did. Yeah. So, Ouch. um, and, that's really the whole thing like whether it's a relationship like if if you were to say to me, "Hey, I really want to get into country and I do this, these are my skill sets." <clears throat> and if I know you're good at it, I'm totally fine to vouch for you and say, "Yes, you should meet this person or that person." I'm not going to hoard relationships because I know after doing this long enough, if you're good and if you're a great person to work with, there's enough work to go on for everybody.
1: Right, and that's a problem that some towns have. Some music circles have. is like they find their team or their network and they hold those aces up their sleeve.
2: They do. And, and it's not the way that I, it's not, it's not the way that I believe doing business. It's really just me as a believer, right. um, as a, as a Christian, I, I think it's a kingdom mentality of like, ultimately I know how much I had to do with my first successes and there's nothing that I could have ever done to have planned me, my first label project being the band that I got as my first CD when I was a kid. Man. Like, you can't, how do you plan that stuff? It's, you don't, you don't plan that stuff. It's interesting, isn't it? So, much like Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, I don't know how familiar you guys right. are with that or listeners, but there's just so little that you have to do with, like, the fact that we were born in America, first of all. Did I pick that? No. Right. The fact that I was born into a family that could afford to uh, pay electricity so that I could plug my piano in there, like, I, I had nothing to do with that. So I just think
0: it's the the kingdom way of operating, you know? Sure. Well, and something that uh, I think uh, from the outside looking in for me uh, and, and seeing you in particular and why I'm incredibly excited for people to be able to get this course, uh, which actually uh, you'll be offering uh, to our listeners a day early Mm -hmm. at a significant what like half price right yeah half price um what and then and then again and then for three more days after that half price before it goes up to full price and i mean half price is the difference Uh, that's a that's a it's huge um but the reason why i'm i'm very excited about you maybe above some of these other other songwriters and, and course teachers is that a uh you you have the successes under your belt you've learned, you've, you've gone through the trial and error to be able to pass that wisdom on to someone else and say, this is what you do. This is where you, this is what you shouldn't do. And this is what you should do. Not because you know better, but because you did it, you did this and then you did this. And um, I'm
2: doing it. That's, that's I'm like when we sat down to film this thing and if the research I did doesn't line up with what I did the same morning, then I wouldn't hmm. teach it.
0: Right. Well, and you're still doing it. It's not yeah. like you did it 40 years ago and then you've been retired for a while and you decided, Oh, I should put out a course to most of the material out there is, is
2: even from the top songwriting teacher out there who I won't name names, but is a fantastic songwriting teacher. And I've learned so much from his teaching. He's never written a hit song, right? Probably the number one, like probably world renowned songwriting teacher. He's never written a hit song. I I Googled that. I was like, I can think of, um, a really well known
1: tutorial. course for recording and stuff again with credits that no one would know nobody's ever heard of but he's giving good advice uh, on most levels and scales um to people who know less than him yeah which are learning a lot from him um and the
2: other the other category who of people who typically make enter into this kind of space of teaching and and um, teaching courses and things like that are people that had success, but like you said, maybe twenty years ago, maybe in the nineties, right? Not so, like the th- now what situation. So they can truly say, "Hey, I've written hit songs for X, Y, and Z," but they haven't done it in twenty years,
0: right? And, so, and things change in the songwriting industry, in the music industry. Well, even the what, in the, five years, the yes. Music Modernization Act just passed in September, and that's one of the biggest pieces of legislation for songwriters. Uh, producers and engineers. In a century. Yeah. In a nutshell, what is that for people who have no idea what we're talking about? Just like two second version. Well,
2: Music Modernization Act, the nutshell, is that it updates legislation to match where we're at in the current music industry.
0: Yeah. So to Um, compensate for things like Like streaming.
2: Things that did not
1: exist. In the 70s when the law originally came through or something? 76? Is that something... The standards were from like that point?
2: The, well, they were from, you know, post I, I feel like like World War II era or something. Jeez. Like I mean it's it's and don't quote me on that. David Israelite is a good guy to go to if you want all that information, or Ross Golan or any of these other guys. But um what's really exciting is that it's the first forward progression that names not just songwriters, but producers and engineers. Amen. And musicians who normally would not be participating in any back-end income. It was all the artist or the label or the publisher or whoever, but now it's naming producers, engineers, musicians, people that should be getting credit on these things. We're often,
1: all three of us in the room, doing those three jobs, um, often, or more, um, are behind behind the scenes. We're behind the curtains. And sometimes it's tough to see a song that you were such a huge part in the instrumentation of, um, literally and figuratively, and, uh, see so you do well and the artists are all like, look at me, look at me. Yeah, we did that. We did that. And we're like, Oh, remember us that actually all those ideas were ours or, I mean, you got to stay humble. Uh, but it, but it hurts sometimes to be in the shower in the morning and like, Oh man, why do I do this? Um, yeah. crying, crying and fish. weeping and your wife's just petting your head. You
2: know, yeah. If you're so braiding good. your arm hair and crying and like <laughs> her armpit hair, you know, I mean, it, it's a hard business. <laughs> so I'm just really, really thankful Specifically, shout out to NSAI and Bart Herbison Amen. here in Nashville and, and Lee Thomas Miller, um, Ben Glover, all the, all the people that have been lobbying on oh, our behalf. Pushing hard, yeah. Because it has been a battle. We've had to fight. Sirius XM has, has been you know, a, a big uh, hill to climb. CSAC, at one point, their parent company Blackstone tried to block it. And that's a hard pill to swallow when the company that's representing you, um, at least we're all on, on CSAC. I'm CSAC, and we went in and had, yeah, we met with them, and they had a very long list of writers that were going to leave their big, including their big writers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're blacklisting them. Same, same to Sirius XM, you know, they've, they, it's, it's political suicide within an industry. So I don't understand how they can, they have done that, but, but fortunately, the music army, as we've been calling it, yeah. has risen and people have listened for the first time in a century. And and for the record, CSAC did release a statement saying, hey, no, we're we're siding with our artists. They parent. did. They came back around. I don't know where Sirius XM stands on either. it. A lot of it is, you know, the parent companies, to be honest. Right. I have great friends at Sirius XM. I have great friends at CSAC that largely, you know, aren't able to influence that decision other yeah. than Hey, a thousand people here just sent us a petition saying they're going to leave if so, and, and they were doing that. And the parent know?
1: businesses, which are businesses, their companies to make money, are saying, "Oh crap, we're going to lose our business because
2: yeah. every their bread and butter is going to leave." Yeah, exactly. Like, and okay, Harry we- Fox Agency—that was the big. For a lot of people that don't know what that is, Harry Fox Agency is the big um, administration or collection agency that keeps track of all these little point point zero 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 one cent streams that are happening billions of times a day yeah and it the the mma is designed to create a essentially a competitor to that that's a little more fair
0: that's great i'm all over it that's great competition is absolutely wonderful
2: yes
1: dude i can't believe that that you're selling out the format that's crazy um but obviously tons of things that i'm gonna learn um and i am in this industry and have been in this industry for 20 years i think it's Uh, important to always be learning um. Always be if, if, bettering yourself. Yeah. If you are in the room as the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. Is that what they right. say? Yeah, yeah. That's why we brought Seth in here, so he can learn from <laughs> us. <It's
2: laughs> nice. Hey, so, I, I learned I learned <laughs> a lot this morning, man. This was awesome,
1: man. Uh, we're just we're just humbled and 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 very very blessed to have you on this podcast with us today. Um, so okay, another formality since I am like the the formality guy when. We do this this course with you. Are we flying to Nashville to do this, or is this an online course or videos? What like what's this look like? Yeah, to it's me?
2: it's online. That's a great question, Robert. It's it's online, so people can take it at their own pace if they want to watch the lyric section ten times to make sure they got it. They can do that. Yeah. So once people have it, they have just unlimited lifetime access to it in a members only portal.
0: Basically, that's awesome. Cool. So it's not like. You watch it once, and now, and you have to pay for again no. if you want to see it again. No, it's un- unlimited lifetime access. And is this a combination of video and reading material? Is it video only, reading only?
2: Yes, primarily video, but we also include some uh, some downloadable assets as well, like Logic templates or Pro Tools templates, and oh, drum band things. Because um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of people out there listening, like maybe don't consider themselves songwriters, but what defines a songwriter, right? A lot of it's music.
3: Right, yeah.
0: So if you can create a piece of music, you're a songwriter. Well, Man. and your your templates, your ability to create templates uh, is part of the reason. I mean, that's part of your fame. Yeah. That's part of why you now have all of these awards and you have a nice, beautiful home and studio and all of this. As simple as it sounds, it's figuring out a lot of those things that allowed you to to move past people that were kind of at your level and and kind of continue to grow and grow and grow and work with bigger and bigger artists, and that is the type of thing that you're going to be um, letting people in on in this course. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's it's
2: there. there's so so you get some starting points. There there is some text that accompanies. There's a lot of um, links and exercises for people to practice because we didn't want it to just be a long lecture style sitting and it goes in one ear and out the other. It's actually uh, has a lot of exercises for people to put into practice so they can secure the information and and actually learn how it applies.
1: I imagine this is going to be something revolutionary, like just for everybody out there, um, myself included, just to open our eyes to what's really going on behind closed doors at full circle with Seth Mosley, like, holy crap. Um, So we actually found out today that, that you're doing something even more special for us that you're you're gonna give us um, a URL to send our listeners to to get it for more than half off mm-hmm. um, which is ridiculous already and uh, open to turned up listeners a complete day before, before
0: everybody, everybody else, else in the world yeah
2: that's
1: a huge honor for us um, what, what do you want to make that let's just make a URL right now
0: uh, so, uh, so we're here with Seth. So why not just uh, TurnedUpPodcast.com slash
1: Seth. Done. TurnedUpPodcast.com forward slash Seth. Um, And we'll just redirect it straight over to your website, which will be closed to the public except for our Turned Up listeners. That will be
0: the only link uh, for the first day uh, that it's out. So so the day this podcast is coming out, October 8th, 2018. In the year of our Lord. (laughs) It's a Monday. (laughs) Uh, You have... Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and by the end of the day, Thursday, which is is the 11th, October 11th, the 11th to get a deal that will only be available for those four days for turned up listeners, uh, a deal that will never come up again. Uh, The best price on this course that you will get. And we're talking over half off. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you missed it, that's okay if you're listening to this on Friday uh and yesterday was Thursday the 11th
3: why'd uh, you
1: waste so long to listen to our podcast yeah that'll teach you it's a good so, question
0: <laughs> so you missed out and from now on if you know um but uh that's okay still go to up podcast slash forward slash sorry com forward slash Seth see what we got in store for you and uh and we're still uh you know Uh, Full Circle Music, Seth Mosley, he has been gracious enough to give Turned Up listeners an exclusive offer uh, through that link. Uh, So check it out. And this course, I'm serious. I have taken courses. I've looked into taking courses for different things, whether it's songwriting, production, whatever it is. uh, And I get so frustrated when you get to that part where, where they... You start realizing, oh, they left out some important ingredients of of this pie here. They literally Uh, tell you all the
1: little secrets they're going to tell you in the preview for it. Right. And And then
0: I learned absolutely nothing. And then you see the words proprietary ingredients. Yeah. Like, but. Kentucky Fried Chicken, tell me what 11 herbs and spices are in your chicken because I want to make it at home. I love your chicken. (laughs) They're not going to tell you, but Seth Mosley is going to tell you exactly what those 11 herbs and spices are and his songwriting that has allowed him to be so successful and and, and be able to climb the, the ladder per se, but more importantly, be able to write songs that the world is hearing. He's able to make a living doing this. He's able to Uh, have, you know, whether it's financial freedom or just get to do what he loves for a living. I know so many of you personally, as well as some that I have not met, but I know that there are so many people out there that want to know how to do this. It's their dream and they just don't quite know how to break into it. Um, and this is the course that's going to let you know. And that's part of the reason why I, myself personally, am very excited to, oh, uh, to go through this course. Same. And, uh, I think and, we're going to, we're going to sit next to each other in old hands while we watch this and take notes,
1: uh, sip hot cocoa. Can I watch pajamas. a live
2: stream of you doing that? So
1: Absolutely. we will be live streaming at turned up podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. And full <laughs> slash <laughs> full circle.com slash <laughs> no, slash <laughs> lap sitting. <laughs> no absolutely not (laughs) don't go there only in person don't go there um man no yeah it's gonna be huge like i had no idea it's gonna be this big but it's gonna be big
2: yeah Um, it's it's been a labor of love i will say that with that's every bit of that is true it's teaching songwriting is so incredibly hard and that's why i give hats off and props to everybody else who Even though they may not have hits and credits, the fact that they're able to teach these right brain concepts so clearly, more power to them. Yeah, man. But we've done all the work. We've done all the research. We've combed back through our hundreds and hundreds of songs uh, and tons of other hit songs that are, are on the radio. And we teach people how to analyze what's the recipe that goes into them.
3: Man, the
1: herbs and spices. Dude, well, Seth, thank you a million times over. Um, first of all, for, for the hookup on that deal and uh for second of all, more importantly, for being here today and letting us pick your brain for a minute.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I, I love your show. Seriously, oh, not just saying that whatever. It's, it's one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. Oh, dude. And I encourage your listeners to go back through the archives and listen to all of them. They're all
0: really good. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Um, Thanks. That that's a huge honor. Uh you actually have a podcast yourself called Made It in Music, and it is it's by far one of my favorite podcasts. You have an ability to pull information and and a certain sort of, you know, whenever you said it earlier that you like to uh, bring an ease to the room when you're songwriting, uh, I love the interviews that you're able to get with uh, the artists, songwriters, music professionals that you that you talk to and work with that's as well. Was, yeah, there's one with John Cooper, I think, that I like yeah, I like That was the very lot. first one. Yeah. Um, yeah that's which a- is funny because
2: I've
1: known
0: that John. That was the first one. That was the first one. I think first I listened-
2: one of our new season. Oh, okay. New so season, yeah. I, like, yeah.
0: I might've listened out of order. Cause that wasn't the first one I heard uh, before that. There, it was the full circle music podcast. We
2: rebranded at the beginning of 2017, 2018, sorry. As the made it in music podcast, we were called the full circle That's music right. show before. And we did a hundred episodes under that name. And John Cooper was episode one Oh one. You just don't stop. Like I get just- too bored. I got st- <laughs> <No, laughs> yeah, no, to do stuff. No, but to your point, <laughs> it's, I consider myself a lifelong learner. And so for me, the podcast is a selfish thing. I, I love it for myself. And the fact that I get to share it with the world is just like icing on the cake. So like that John episode, I learned so much just by like stuff I would have never known about him. Like I've worked with him on, on a couple records now and written dozens of songs with him, but ended up learning something that I had no idea
1: Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it before. Um, yeah, that, you'll be hooked on that. Podcast. It's awesome. Oh yeah,
0: it's a, What I was going to say was, you know, I've known him for a while, just having toured with them and mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of you know, lots of conversations, whether brief or long or just in passing. Either way, you know, I've seen him with his family, I've seen him with his kids, I've seen him on stage, I've seen him writing songs or whatever it is, and uh, and hearing the things that he says in that episode, uh, and you know, was it was blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. thinking you, you think you know somebody until they get on the uh, made it in music podcast
2: yeah and it's just you know much much like what y'all are doing i think it, it's pulling back the curtain but it's giving people tangible tools and resources to make it in music hence the name made it in music
0: so what you're saying is it's similar to our podcast just better uh, because <laughs> with higher profile, profile right? <laughs> clientele and walks away with actual information mm. instead of not useless bits from Jeopardy that they'll
1: never hey, use. Hey, it's like blonde and brunette. I see you're, uh, you're drinking tea over there. I actually had a glass of tea last night out of my Turned Up Podcast mug.
0: That's right. Uh, i not is as drinking. sexy as that. This one's like 3D. I know. And
2: it's the Yerba Mate. You can get 10% off at 10% uh, turneduppodcast.com slash. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Oh. Um. <laughs> That's not where you were going with that? That wasn't where I was going with that. Uh, but but now that we- I listen we've to
2: a lot there. of podcasts that cleverly weave that stuff in. So. Right, where it it's turns into really an ad clever. all of a sudden. is not really ad. that
0: clever. Although we will say- um, It was a segue though. It was, it was a segue. A segue. Uh, we want to thank uh, our, our sponsors through our, our, our patrons. Our patrons, yeah. Uh, our listeners- and uh you, would you believe we actually have people who listen to us first of all and
1: second of all some of those people want to send us money to help us continue talking to them which is very weird to us
2: i didn't know that was an option i should become one of those people
1: you can pay us to talk to you if you want
2: we'll talk, I love
1: it. We'll talk to you for free um <laughs> but yeah so we have different stages of like if you want to just donate to help us keep turned up podcasts in your ear holes um whistling you stickers and mugs and all sorts of fun things you get access to a secret uh, private Facebook page where we kind of put some of our, our our notes up there and some of our uncut podcasts where we're like, people don't want to hear that. We cut it out. Some people want to hear that. So we kind of swallow our pride and put it out there um, for some some people who want to be our patrons. But how can you uh, find out more about this?
0: Uh, it's very easy. Tell Turned me. Up, turneduppodcast.com. Uh, <laughs> when you click, uh, it'll take you to our page that'll show all of our episodes You'll uh, see
1: our ugly mugs there, not not the mugs you drink out of, but our faces. <laughs> those are those are ugly too. Yeah, all the things that we have are
0: ugly. Yeah. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so if you look, there'll be an ugly link in the. I believe it's on the right side of the page, but it says uh, right. be- become a patron, um, and it will take you uh, and, and show you just a list. So you you know you can give anywhere from five bucks a month all the way up to I think fifty or hundred dollars a month if you want. If you want to give more than that, shoot us an email. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, there is, we, we have no problem figuring out how to take your money. Um, no, uh, but for real, thank you so much to, to those of you that make that possible that, that are already, uh, giving and donating to our podcast. Um, and if you want to do that, we can let you in. Um, and, uh, and, and we're super grateful for you, Seth, for coming and letting us crash replace, uh, chatting with us and and letting us yap your ear off and ask you all these questions and really kind of pry into the world of songwriting and and uh and and now hopefully you know not you seth but you listening um you know what all goes into those songs that you're listening to and it's it's not quite as simple as maybe those artists might make it sound it might not even be the artist that you're hearing as we spoke
1: of that's Um, true but do seth sorry for your loss of the uh the Grammy um, that's missing. Mm. I don't have a clue where it went. Don't look in my backpack. I'll send you a bill. Oh. <laughs> you got it for free, so <laughs>
2: don't worry about it. Um, it's an imaginary bill. It's like I was going to charge him Monopoly money.
1: I don't um, even have that. I think my son took all of that. He ate it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does things like that, which yeah. is weird. Uh, and on that note... Uh... We have to thank a couple more people. We have to thank you, the listener, for spending the last however, of to- however amount of time with us listening to this. Um, diaper stories and songwriting stories and stories from the crypt. Um, But we also have to thank Real Sound Media for letting us have a platform to push this podcast through your earbuds slash car speakers slash whatever smart device you're listening to in your house with.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Real Sound, for putting this together. Uh, Thank you, Robert, for being so beautiful and and not being dead as old as you are. I appreciate you still being here. Still kicking. Still kicking. (laughs) And of course, thank you, Seth. Thank you, Full Circle Music, uh, for the facility oh, and lending awesome. us your uh, time, expertise, and and the beautiful Seth Mosley. Yeah. Honored
2: to be here. Thank you for, well, I was going to say for, to be here. I guess I'd be here
1: anyway.
0: Thank you for but... coming to my place. <laughs> thank you for coming. is what I should say.
1: <laughs> Man, uh, if you like this podcast, or even if you don't like this podcast, we'd love for you to to give us a five-star review <laughs> give us an earful as <laughs> long as it has it. five stars tell us your favorite joke um, or your least favorite song that's ever been written by seth mosley and uh we'll i make would sure love to he hear that. that message um, and you can do that at per- turneduppodcast.com you can do it at um of on, on apple music or spotify or wherever you want to rate us uh, we yes, appreciate
0: that uh I, yeah itunes podcasts, um stitcher spotify Cast, and then of, box, all the things and then of course uh, facebook.com slash turned up podcast
1: same with uh, twitter it's at turned up podcast or instagram always yeah and instagram um, always on the interwebs at
0: www.turneduppodcast.com don't forget about that uh, just just add a forward slash
1: seth at the end of that and uh get in while they while the getting's good because Song it's only course. literally today through thursday october 8th through october 11th and uh um, then things change around a little bit, but but uh, I highly recommend it. This guy knows his stuff and is legit the real deal. Well, thank you guys, appreciate it. I think that's all from uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. This is Turned Up Podcast signing out.
0: Peace. As we mentioned, huge thank you and shout out to our patrons who made this episode possible. Michael J. 83, Davin C. Casey, Laura Ann, Elise 7, Samantha Seeger, Natalie B., J. Walter 1, and Josiah 820. You guys rock. We love you. We'll be back next week.